sober up i've been i've been hitting it hitting the bottle pretty hard with everything that's been going on i'm be, i'm going to be so glad when i they unhooked me from everything they got me hooked up to uh, like i was saying yesterday they they have me hooked up to a uh, a piece of equipment called a wound vac and what it does is that they put what they call a french fry in the bottom of your foot mm, in, it's in a drain the, huh? yeah and the french fry is nothing more than uh, a piece of i think styrofoam mm. that they put in there and then it that they vacuum your foot i mm. mean they're va- the 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 place that this you know got sucks, a problem and sucks, the sucks, crud out, huh? sucks all the crud out and it's working oh, uh, doc took a close look at it yesterday dr driscoll is my wound specialist she does a great job and uh, looked at it yesterday and and said that uh the the uh, problem is just about cleared up that's good and it's about you know i filled in best way i can put it because that vac makes it uh heal from the inside out mm-hmm. not outside in because mm-hmm. it was a burn and burns tend to want to go from the outside in mm. so anyway uh, that part of it seems to be going well. The thing that's going to take a long time is is this, and the antibiotics that they're filling me up with. Because the stuff that I've got, uh, anybody who's been in the hospital any time recently in the last year or two, uh, know that this is a, a infection that can get in your blood. And that that's why they try to get you into the hospital, get done with what they want to do, and then get you out of mm-hmm. the hospital. Because this stuff runs rampant mm. over in the hospitals, and I didn't pick it up there. I have no idea where I picked it up. I walked on, as you guys know, I walked on that for several weeks, mm-hmm. so I could have picked up that infection anywhere. But uh, it's six weeks treatment. Wow! They just bombard. They're going to put you on IV antibiotics for six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Oh been on for already my. two weeks. Wow! Getting ready to start third week. Wow! This weekend. We'll be glad that we've got the treatments and the doctors that, nah, that we've got it. because mm-hmm. if you were somewhere else in like England or or some country <laughs> like that, they they had a panel there. I'm going to put you away. What do you think about us? Dave? How old is he? He's 66. He's had a good life. How much is this going to cost? How many people? How many people is he irritating lately? He's had a good life. You might be in trouble. <laughs> what, did, what did he have to say about the head of the Democratic Party? Oh, yeah. right. A or few what, things. What did he What did he say about socialized medicine yeah uh-huh. yeah we'll, we'll uh. save some money with him we'll do that <laughs> all right wow. so rd is here and uh, paul is here i thought wayne beach was going to stop by but maybe not jan uh texted me and said she could not make it she is at a big meeting with 
Sarah Huckabee Sanders. So she's taking care of that right now. So she's meeting about that. She happens to be, of course, here in Arkansas, the head of Women for Trump. So she's there for that. So see what uh, what she says about she might call in she just might call in I, it's really hard to answer people's emails right now if you're sending me an email or a text and you're wondering well why doesn't dave answer well let me tell you early in the morning i gotta be at the wound center at nine o'clock and they put me in a a hyperbaric chamber and uh they're giving me 100% oxygen at at about 45 feet below sea level. That's about 20 psi. Yeah, so I'm under there doing that, and uh, that takes two hours. And during that two hours, I can't do anything inside the chamber. So they won't let you use electronics. No, all huh. I can do is watch television. TV, Today I watched. Uh, I took RoboCop. Okay. And watched that today. Yesterday <laughs> I watched. What did I watch yesterday? I watched some. Uh, Dirty yesterday. Harry. Is that what you said? Yeah, Dirty Harry okay. yesterday. Well, at least you're watching educational stuff. I'm watching great movies. <laughs> right. what can I tell you? I'm watching great movies. I don't know what I'll watch tomorrow. Uh, Do you Thursday feel lucky today? I know. I felt lucky. Uh, the guys facing yeah, that gun didn't feel here. so lucky. Uh, though. This is a 44 caliber handgun, uh, the most powerful handgun in the world at that time. At that time. Yeah. Not now, but uh, it was. Yeah. At, it still at gets the job done. Yeah. A, yeah. That's a pretty good size. Knowing that it would blow your head clean <laughs> off. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah, 44 Magnum is about like shooting a shotgun slug at somebody, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty big bullet. And you know what? I've heard people say, hey, look. I'll only use the tip. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll only use the tip. I got a 44 that had the that had the diamond walnut grips on it. Okay. And whenever you shot it, the walnut it would leave it point would leave the impact. So, yeah, I had to get smooth wow. grips. There were smooth some, grips for it. It would be kind of cool, though, to walk around with, mm-hmm. you know. I, I watched uh, I watched Tombstone the other day. Okay. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Empire. Well, Johnny, what was what was Johnny's name? Ringo, Johnny Ringo, you're <laughs> acting like death just walked across your grave. <laughs> I love that line. It's a great line from Val Kilmer in that movie. All right, so l- let's start off with something that I, I haven't been talking uh, too much as far as uh, local politics. Yesterday, uh, Elizabeth and I spent about an hour, a little over an hour talking about the Kentucky election that I think the Democrats stole uh, the uh, uh, governorship of Kentucky. And and if you listen to go go back and, and listen to the show, and I think I, I lay out a pretty good reason why I believe there is a lot of uh, malfeasance going on there in, in the counting of votes in Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky has always been known for finding hmm. several boxes of votes at the last moment, kind of like the way time. Arkansas yeah, used you to got do. That right. So, uh, bottom line is, is that look, you can vote a straight ticket in in Kentucky. What that means, you go to the polls, and if you want, you can just push D, or you can just push R. Wow! And it will vote for everybody who's a Republican, or it'll vote for everybody who's a Democrat. Wow. Now, that's typically would be the way that I would vote. I'd vote R mm-hmm. for the most part, just because. Look, I 
I know what the Democrats are. I don't want anything to do with them. Can't so support the, the platform. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely can't. Cannot can. support the platform. No. And uh, and the one, that's one thing that the Democrats are pretty good at is holding their politicians to the platform. Okay, so think about that for just a moment, all right? The governorship was determined by 4,600 votes with a little change in there, mm-hmm. about 58, I think it was. And every other Republican that won that day, which was everyone that was a Republican, won, if you if you averaged it out, I mean, the closest race was 65,000. Think about that for a second. Wow. 65,000, all right? As far as some of the other races went, it was as high as 225,000 mm, votes. the statewide races. That's correct. Oh, wow. Now, somebody please ex- explain to me that 40% of Democrats vote a straight ticket. How did that happen that the governor lost his governorship by 4,600 votes when all the other Republicans were winning by, let's just say, 175,000 plus? Wow. Well, did, was it was it mostly Republicans? If you look at the group, was there more Republicans elected than Democrats? Oh, absolutely. They won every race, and they won supermajority in the House and the Senate. So now please tell me how the Democrat won the governorship. I'm telling you, that just stinks really, really bad. What was the? I don't know very much about the Kentucky politics. Did they did, used to be kind, blue? But what, they're not. What kind any of longer. governor did they have? What kind of Republican governor was he? It? Was kind of a Trump. You know, he's kind yeah. of a Trump kind of guy. Okay, but I, I still don't think they could have pulled. They could have pulled that off. Mm. That the way that it was pulled off, yeah. and it been, and and they're not doing a recount or anything because the person who has to pay for it is the person who calls for it. Wow! So it would have been the governor would have had to pay for it, and I heard that he had. I think Elizabeth told me he had over eight hundred thousand dollars in his his uh, you know battle uh, you know chest, chest but uh, still. Was it an incumbent Republican governor that was running? Was it an incumbent, or was it? No, he was. He was. This was. This would be. Yeah, he was a sitting governor. He would. It would have been uh, his first re-election if he had won. Just something don't smell right about it. Mm. All right, that's not new. Bob is in Conway. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm excellent, Dave. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Um, I have a question for you, sir. I heard something that really disturbed me. It's it's not about the Kentucky election, but it's about the impeachment. I don't think I really understand impeachment. And somebody told me that if the House of Representatives impeaches President Trump, that that removes his right to appoint Supreme Court justices or nominate them in any way. I have it, not heard. No. No. no that, so. all, all, all that happens, all impeachment is, is they're saying that the president... Uh, the House has said the, the president has done something outside of the scope of legalities for his office. It's kind of like the equivalent of a speeding ticket almost. It's basically you've been well, accused of— Well, it's a little bit more. It, it's more significant. It's an accusation yeah, is it's what an accusation. it is. And so, so basically it's a, it's a summons to the court of the Senate. Now, if the Senate would find him guilty, he's removed from office at that point. Then he, can't, he couldn't do anything. Be that simple. 
Yeah, Bill Clinton had the same had the uh, had the same thing happen to him. Yes, it didn't affect any of his powers no. of, of of or running the office as president. It's just he was found not guilty, so it was business as usual. And it'll be the same thing with Trump. It does take a super majority in the Senate to convict him, and with a Republican uh, led Senate for them to get a super majority to convict the president, you know, you've got better chances of being struck by life today so well, don't worry think, about it I think that if, if if the president that we all know and love is guilty of a speeding ticket then the Democrats must be guilty of capital murder <laughs> you know I, I pro- you probably would not get an argument from me <laughs> thank you very honest. much Dave all Pretty right thanks for calling in. call thank you very much yeah mm-hmm. just understand that what's going on in the house right now is uh it's like the hors d'oeuvre. Uh, if they found the, 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 the president uh, guilty for impeachment, it just means that they're going to send it over to the Senate, and the Senate is going to make the decision on whether he's guilty or not. That's where the trial has to be. I still am not sold on the fact uh, that McConnell will even have a trial because he and Lindsey Graham and others feel like there's no there, there's Basis. no substance yeah. to exactly. what the, the house is doing and if that's the case they may just throw it into you know uh the trash can it's interesting i haven't i hadn't really put a whole lot of thought to that whether or not they can just put it on the back burner well if you look at the way that the other impeachment impeachments have been ran it's been in a more fair way with just like a regular trial with everybody getting a list of the witnesses and getting a list of all the evidence and being cross-examining them and stuff. So, uh, so Lindsey Graham was saying this is a witch hunt. It's not been run no, uh, in, in a no professional manner. And uh, basically, uh, <coughs> we're not going to comply with it or we're not going to play along with it. So it, this is just like passing a bill in the House that you have absolutely no hope of getting through the Senate, but you're doing it for political reasons just to show uh, this is what I stand for, this is this is what my opinion is. So they're, they're getting uh, – they do it all the time. They run a bill just to, just to make waves and, and to make the other party look bad or try to make the other party look bad and then – but they know that it's never going to come into law. Well, it, it could be like a like a resolution. It's just a, a statement, and so I think that might be about the equivalent of what exactly. this is going to end up being. It's a, it's a, he's a dirty, rotten scoundrel, <laughs> and we don't like him. And, and we're going to put our official stamp of approval on it. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I would think that McConnell would go through with a trial is not to give the other political party. The ability to say, well, you won't even hold a trial mm-hmm. right. on this president. They could do that. So, you know, we think that you need to do the trial, or even the American public could say, well, why did we do all this? Well, have the trial. It would also give you the opportunity, while the trial is going on, for the Republicans to call forth all of those witnesses again, and now they can lower their guns at them and and really ask the questions they want because right now they're being, you know, held off from doing that. Shift won't let them do it. Oh, so that would be so, interesting. Well, and, and 
uh, it would be interesting to see if the Republicans actually have the the intestinal fortitude to go about doing just that to to basically run a. It's about uh, public it, opinion. It's about public opinion is all it about in politics and trying to get the truth out. So this whole thing is about winning the next presidential yeah, election. Yeah, let's talk about that. Founding fathers felt there was always a possibility that impeachment could be a political impeachment. Mm-hmm. Not about high crimes and misdemeanors, but about politics. And uh, Congressman Collins of Georgia talked about that yesterday. I've got that sound for you. This is cut number five. Then we got a bigger problem here, Martha, because, again, this is what the Founding Fathers actually warned us against, was a political impeachment in which you just go after them because you don't like them or because you don't like their politics. This is a problem we have to face, and American people need to see this clearly for what it is. We can ask questions however we want to, but Adam Schiff is controlling this narrative because he wants one side out. Now, look, this thing is not over. We're going to continue to see a lot of witnesses this week. We're going to see a lot of them who are going to be interesting in some contradictions and seeing the fact that what was happening here and the focus of what the president did. Let's get this back to what the president did, not the theatrics around it. If he wants to remove somebody, he can't. It's his job. He can remove an ambassador whenever he wants to. He can have differences of opinion with his own State Department. Well, that's why I'm asking. All right. And I, I have to agree with Collins. I think this is exactly what the founders worried about, and that is a political, for a better word, lynch mob. They're desperate. They're desperate. Well, they're looking at the Congressman next Green of Houston. We got to impeach him now because he may win re-election. <laughs> you can't. You can't win him at the. Can't beat him at the polls. We'll, be, we'll beat him this way. Well, and that's what the you know, the, the, the left have done, has done. A lot of that sort of thing. They they can't get their laws passed through the um, voting process. So they use the courts. They use the courts, right? And so they they've got their little oligarchies going on in different places, and. They get they get their uh, their way in yeah. illegal ways. Well, we've seen both sides play games before. Oh, sure, we've seen both. But but uh, the, the, the Democrats wrote the book. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they they've got the lexicon. There's no doubt about it. All right, get a break in. We'll come back. RD's here. Paul's here. I'm here. We got more of the power panel here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM. The answer. All right, so we heard here before we went to the break from Congressman Collins of Georgia saying that the Founding Fathers warned us about, quote, political impeachment, and that's what's going on right now. This is not what the Constitution means when it says impeachment. It means high crimes and misdemeanors, that a president would ask the leader of another uh, country uh to look into, you know, political corruption in his own country is not high crimes and misdemeanors, at least not in the way that, that I say it. Now, I know there's some of you out there just hate Trump. I mean, you don't care. It, it, well, it, it could be for a hangnail. So, so if, if you thought you could get him, you'd want to go so ahead and get him. So what if his political opponents was literally engaged in treason? Would it be wrong for him to actually ask his... His um, justice department. No, I don't think it is. No, I think I that mean, what it, he did was the correct thing to do. When you look at that whole Russia investigation, there's so many questions about how it got started, why it got started, and who got it started. That only makes sense to me that we need to get to the bottom of it. 
I mean, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't seem unreasonable to, to, to suggest, you know, there just looks like there's some corruption going on here. What, what is going on? Well, you, it's, he's not we just, do not have a fair – we do <laughs> not have a, 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 a fair system that's, that's broadcasting. You know, if you look at what Biden said and you look you – re- you can go online if, if our listeners want to know more about the phone conversation. You can go online and pull up the phone conversation yep. that Trump had. You can read it. I've read it. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, he was saying, hey, you know, we're about to give you a bunch of money. And uh, but uh, uh, we've been hearing some things about about Biden's son, basically, and some yeah, corruption Hunter. going on. And uh, we think you need to look into it. Yeah. When we come back, I'm going to play a piece from Vindman, Ukraine uh, head honcho over there in the Russia area. And what he had to say about the president and investigations Vindman was one of the star witnesses for the Democrats. And all of a sudden yesterday, things that he started talking about, big, big holes in, in, their, in their story. I mean, Swiss cheese-type holes. All right, let's get to the news. All right, so one of the uh, witnesses yesterday was the Ukrainian expert for the NSC, Lieutenant Colonel... Alexander uh, Vindman, and he was talking about the president launching investigations into corruption. And this is cut number one. Check out what he has to say. Some of President Trump's allies have suggested that the president requested these investigations for official policy reasons as part of some plan to root out corruption in Ukraine. In your experience, did the official policies of the United States include asking Ukraine to specifically open investigations into the Bidens and interference by Ukraine in the 2016 election? Uh, Nothing that we prepared or had discussed uh, up until that point included any of these elements. Would it ever be U.S. policy, in your experience, to ask a foreign leader to open a political investigation? There are proper procedures in which to do that. Uh, Certainly the the president is well within his right to do that. Um, It is not something the NSC, certainly a director at the NSC, would do. As a matter of fact, we are prohibited from being involved in any transaction between Department of Justice and a a foreign um, power to ensure that there is no perception of manipulation from the White House. So it is not something that we participate in. There you go. Okay, so... Sounds like their policy is... It sounds like the president, it's uh, you know up to him if he wants to open an investigation or not. Yeah. Into corruption. And Vindman had no problem with that. So what's what's the problem here? Good question, know. huh? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's a good question. Well, Nunez right now uh, is uh, burning some of his time during the meeting, uh, during this uh, impeachment hearing. Let's hear what he's up to. Conducive to their accusations. In fact, by the time we don't have any witness says anything okay. here. I'm going to try to pull up uh, some uh, audio here for you if we can. Uh, Radcliffe. 
And second, when the Democrats published those Democrats deposition transcripts. Remember the, the term quid pro quo? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed they don't say that anymore? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed they've been saying... Are they choking on a little bit? Bribery. Yeah. Bribery, huh? Yeah, they've been saying bribery. So should we it's ask... Harder to should, pin we, down. should we ask ourselves... Officials on behalf okay. of the Democratic Here's National Committee now. and the Clinton right. campaign. That's because the Democrats refused to let us hear from them. As for evidence, we're left with... What we're left with is the transcript of the Trump-Zelensky phone call, which the president made public. That means Americans can read for themselves an unremarkable conversation with President Zelensky, who repeatedly expressed satisfaction with the call afterward. The Democrats, however, claim President Zelensky was being bribed, and therefore he must be lying when he says the call was friendly and posed no problems. There's some irony here. For weeks, we've heard the Democrats bemoan the damage President Trump supposedly caused to the U.S.-Ukrainian relations. But when the Ukrainian president contradicts their accusations, they publicly dismiss him as a liar. I may be wrong, but I'm fairly sure calling a friendly foreign president, newly elected, a liar, violates their so-called interagency consensus. So overall, the Democrats would have you believe President Zelensky was being blackmailed with a pause on lethal military aid that he didn't even know about, that President Trump did not mention to him, and that diplomats have testified they always assumed would be lifted, which it was. Without the Ukrainians undertaking any of the actions, they were supposedly being coerced into doing. This process is not serious. It's not sober. And it is certainly not prayerful. It's an ambitious attack to deprive the American people of the right to elect a president that the Democrats don't like. As I mentioned, chairman of this committee claims that democracy is under threat. If that's true, it's not the president who poses the danger. I yield back. All right, that's enough. Okay, we can cut that off now. That was pretty straightforward <laughs> little, at the end of that, wasn't a, it? A little bit scalding there. Yeah. Zip. Okay. I was going to talk about John Lee Ratcliffe. He's a uh, congressman from Texas. I think the 4th District is where he's at. Been there since about 2015. And uh, we were talking about you don't hear, you know, quid pro quo anymore. Because the Democrats say the American people basically are too stupid to understand what that means. So they've been using the word bribery, bribery now. Let's hear what Ratcliffe had to say about that. That's uh, cut number two. The longest time this was all about quid pro quo, according to the whistleblower complaint. But after witness after witness began saying there was no quid pro quo or even that quid pro quo was not even possible, we saw a shift from the Democrats. They briefly started to refer to the president's conduct on the July 25th call as extortion. And now it shifted again last week to bribery. Ms. Williams, um, you used the word unusual to describe the president's uh, call last uh, on July 25th. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman used the word inappropriate and proper. Now, I've word searched each of your transcripts. And the word bribery or bribe doesn't appear anywhere in that. 
Ms. Williams, you didn't, you've never used the word bribery or bribe to uh, explain President Trump's conduct, correct? No, sir. Colonel Vindman, you haven't either. That is correct. The problem is, in an impeachment inquiry that the Speaker of the House says is all about bribery, where bribery is the impeachable offense, no witness has used the word bribery to describe President Trump's conduct. None of them. All right, we're back with you. Ben Carson in the news today saying that Maxine Waters is a, quote, showboating, opportunistic, shameless career politician with no basic manners. Wow. That's that's pretty, you know, I'm going to be honest, that's that's truthful. (laughs) He's just being truthful there. Wow. Coming from him, that seems kind of, um, he must be ticked off. Yeah, he's pretty straightforward on that. And then we just heard what Ratcliffe said. Miss Williams, have you ever said that anything that the president has done is bribery? bribery? No. No. Mr. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, have you said at any time that what the president did was bribery? No. Shut down that whole thing. It's done. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's cooked and finished. Wow. I mean, it's just kind of... So, if it wasn't for Democrats going along and promising free stuff to voters, how would they get elected? And if that's not quid pro quo, if that's not bribery, then what is? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and are they concerned that the president might suggest to another country that maybe they should look into some possible corruption going on well if robberies and corruption is going on very often it's done with taxpayers money a lot of times it does. so it if so a lot of times the robbery is is the taxpayers uh that's paying the bill for the bribe yeah let's understand what happens sometimes you have a situation where you have let's say some politician senator congressman and uh, they take their kid with them overseas. They uh-huh. make introductions to the powerful people for the countries that they're in. And these kids get deals, mm-hmm. and they make money off of those deals. Now, think about this for a moment. That money is money that the federal government gives to these countries to be able to use to further that country's endeavors. So when that money ends up in the back pocket of some politician's, you know, sibling, you know, son, daughter, or whatever, then what you have is you have the American taxpayer doing nothing more than uh, financing the uh, son or daughter of some politician. That's exactly right. It's taxpayers' money. And then then guess which politicians are going to vote to give— keep that money flowing to these different countries now, i don't know if you guys read the article from conduit but uh it's come out that that asa when he's been going when he went to china last time that he, he took uh, asa the third with him who is an attorney and uh and uh um, promoting promoting him business business and they're advertising that uh, you can get tax kickbacks in the state of Arkansas. So it looks a whole lot like that some of the things things could be going with these companies coming from China 
there could be family members of the, of the governor this building relationship there and providing access well, to if, the Arkansas tax money. If that can money. be proven, then we've got a serious problem. You know, I mean, just saying it looks bad is not enough. It's got to no, no, be no. it is bad. Although I would say this, I would not do anything if I were a governor or I were a congressman or I were a senator or I were a president or vice president mm-hmm. or whatever that even gave an inkling that people could start pointing the finger at me and saying, well, why are you doing that? That's this? what the Bible calls above reproach. It's well, best to be above reproach and not do anything that, that looks like it could be well, inappropriate. That, that, that is a, the thing is that government shouldn't be subsidizing a bunch of these different businesses. They just shouldn't be doing it. But the government is doing it, and it looks... It promotes corruption. It, well, it, it, with the taxpayers, it, it money. does a lot of different things, but it's just something that government should not be doing. And the fact that government is doing it, it is an opportunity for corruption. And if someone in government who's in a major position of influence over that money can um, direct some of that money toward their own direction or toward their own family, that that, that doesn't look real clean. No, it doesn't. All right, let's talk to Gene. Gene, how are you? How are things where you're at in Little Rock? Uh, they're a great day. It's, it's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful uh, day. Just wondering, all the accusers, uh, when they talk about this Ukraine call, talk like tr- Trump's only motivation could have been for his political benefit. That's correct. But don't Doesn't he have a responsibility, and don't we as voters and taxpayers have a right to know whether a person who is a primary candidate for the presidency uh, is a criminal or not. Oh, That's I, the I nobody will ask. Yeah, I uh, I have no doubt with that. Give you credit. <laughs> yeah, I I really do think that the president should be asking these questions. A lot of people have been asking uh, from the get go of the Russian investigations of who started them, why did they start them, what was their end game, yada yada. And nobody would do that. Uh, what was their political now, motivation? Yeah, was now there some quid we, pro we know that you on? know the Clintons' names are floating around out there. What was happening within the FBI? What was happening in the you know the deep state and the CIA and things of that nature? I'm just telling you, there are legitimate things to look into. And our AG Barr said when he was made AG that was something that he was going to get to the bottom of. I mean, go back and read the stories. So I think this is a way for the Democrats to try to get everybody to, you know, look at their right hand when their left hand is in everybody's pocket, basically. <laughs> yeah, whenever you're playing offense, then uh, it doesn't give the opponent as much time to play defense. So right. That's what they're doing. It's because uh, those FISA courts, that was set up. There wasn't enough information and there. And see, that hasn't the... come out yet. It's going to be interesting when that whole uh, uh, time of you know investigation comes out. There's going to be some ugly stuff come out of that. And Schrock, I mean, some things coming out now about him. It's really getting serious for him. Talking about Trump getting rid of an ambassador, when he was elected president... I would have gotten rid of every director that Barack Obama and Bill Clinton put in every agency. They should have sent everybody home. But he did it in a very slow, methodical way, one at a time, 
getting rid of people that he didn't feel like that were being objective to what he was trying to accomplish. Send the if it had been me, I'd have sent them all home on day one. CIA, FBI. Send, send them home and shut down the, shut down and, the program. Yeah, <laughs> national security. Yeah, of course, yeah, I think they ought to come in and, and say, you know, you know everybody that was let off whenever you, we have a snowstorm that says uh, non-essential employees. Right. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be working anyway. <laughs> yeah. Stay make, there. Make that permanent. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let me play one more piece of audio here from Alexander Vindman, the Ukrainian expert from the NSC. And a lot of people have said, well, you know, that written uh, out call that the president made with the Ukrainian president, it's not uh, really a legitimate, uh, you know, way of looking at this. There, there's, there's questions about it and how truthful that it was. Not according to Alexander Vindman. Here's what he had to say. Cut number four. Um, I want to go to the White House readout from the April 21st call. And at the, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you see the highlighted portion where it says root out corruption? Yes. So in, in the end, this readout was false. Is that right? That's, that's, maybe that's a bit of a, uh, it, it's not, entirely accurate, but uh, I'm not sure if I would describe it as false. It was consistent with U.S. policy, and these items are used as messaging tools also. So a statement that goes out in addition to no category. Um, um, wait, wait, wait! Play, play that again. Reading out. I the want media. you to listen to what Volkman is saying. He is trying his damnedest not to give a straight answer here, because to give a straight answer is to say to the whole committee there that the things that you're looking at, you're saying that what the president did was not to vet out corruption. It was was not true. That he can't say that because that's what he was trying to do. Listen to what he says again. Highlighted portion where it says root out corruption. Yes. So in, in the end, this readout was false. Is that right? That's that's maybe that's a bit of a uh, it, it's not entirely accurate, but uh, I'm not sure if I would describe it as false. It was consistent with U.S. policy. And these items are used as messaging tools also. So a statement that goes out in addition to, you know, category, um, um, reading out the meeting itself is also a messaging platform to indicate what is important with regards to U.S. policy. Okay. All right. Wouldn't say it's false. Sounds kind of true, in fact. Mm. You know, I mean... You're not getting this. I'm. I'm just telling you. You're not getting this from mainstream media. Trump. Trump was sending subliminal messages. Yeah. Subliminal messages saying, you know, I want this dealt with, but you can't. You cannot impeach a president because you think he's trying to send a, 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 a message without coming out and saying it. I mean, this is not an impeachable have offense. Have you ever been around people that will say, "Well, I can look at him and say he. I can just see he's no good." And they just don't have, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. They're just they're going off of their what they believe is their gut feeling. They think they're some sort of a, a I don't know a soothsayer or something. They they think they can read people and and know what they're thinking and what, know what their intentions are. 
I'm sorry. That's just nonsense. That's right. That's like saying if I said something, I said, "Well, that's not what he really meant by that." What he really meant was something. Was what he really and, and meant you, was something right, else. Right, and you know you that can't how? read my mind. Right, you can't read my mind. You can't say what I really meant by that. It, you know, I didn't really mean corruption. I really meant uh, I want you to make sure that I win the next elections. What he really meant, but you you can't uh, read somebody's mind and, and make unless that out there's of that. just clear and convincing evidence to the contrary. You just need to take things at, at, at face value. Take them for what they what they what they say. Because if if I tell you something, you probably need to assume that it's that I'm that I actually mean what I say. Well, we'll come back and talk about otherwise. this because here's what the problem is: a lot of these people are career politicians, and they didn't like the way the president was doing. Uh, you know the way he was dealing with Ukraine. And because of that, they were doing what they could do to short-circuit everything the president was trying to get done. Well, the president, Trump, has done more for Ukraine than any of the other presidents has ever yep. done for him. He's been giving them money to help buy arms, to help he try to them, fight the communists. And he gave them arms to be able to defend themselves. With. Exactly right. I think that's what the Democrats are against. The Democrats are against picking sides and fighting communism. That's uh, well, all yeah. I can figure. Because uh, where are you going to find Democrats that are going to fight communism? Because the uh, uh, President Obama didn't give them any arms or help them fight communism. Yeah, let's take a break on that. That's more to talk about about that here. On the Dave Ellswick Show Power Panel in today, you want to get involved in the uh, conversation, 823-0965. All right, so I gave you a whole lot of sound today. Uh, I'll give you some sound about Hunter Biden from Vindman as well. You know, he was this over there, young man making his way in the world. Mm, maybe not so much. We'll hear what Alexander Vindman had to say about that. We got news coming up. RD is here. Paul is here, I'm here, and uh, we'll pick it up on the other side of the news in just a few moments on the Dave Ellswick Show. seconds ambassador volker giving his opening statement number one i don't understand this you get to give an opening statement you're there to testify about what you know 
Seems like I questioning could, would be the appropriate. Yeah, I, I don't give a damn, you know, how many years you've been the ambassador or what you've done as ambassador, why you put in a, a in writing what you thought the president did was wrong. We're going to get to all of that. We're going to ask you questions about that. And, and he's still talking. Look, the guy, remember when Nunes was on in the last hour? We had him on for about four or five minutes, mm-hmm. and then he got done, and then here comes Volker to talk. He's still on his opening statement. Mm. He's working on an hour. Give me a break. Come on. What a waste. Seriously? Seriously. What is yeah. he doing? Here, is, listen, he, is it a, listen, is it a here, autobiography? Here he is right here. Check it out. Here we go. I was not made aware of any reference to Vice President Biden or his son by President Trump until the transcript of that call was released on September 25th, 2019. Throughout this time, I understood that there was an important distinction between Burisma and Biden, and I urged the Ukrainians to maintain such a distinction. I did not know that President Trump or others had raised Vice President Biden with Ukrainians, or had conflated the investigation of possible Ukrainian corruption with investigation of the former Vice President. In retrospect, for the Ukrainians, it would clearly have been confusing. In hindsight, I now understand that others saw the idea of investigating possible corruption involving the Ukrainian company Burisma as equivalent to investigating former President, Vice President Biden. I saw them as very different, the former being appropriate and unremarkable, the latter being unacceptable. In retrospect, I should have seen that connection differently, and had I done so, I would have raised my own objections. All right, so anyway, this is what he's, you know, he's, he's already cya and I'm just telling you. He, he put on his tap dancing shoes, and he is CYA. And if you don't know what CYA is, ask your kid. And then, so I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time, but I'm kind of slow, and I'm not that smart. Though, but now I know what the Nancy Pelosi has given me, what the narrative is. Now I'm mm. on board with it. Yeah, that's kind of what, what he said, right? Yeah. Now, Vindman talked about Hunter Biden, and he was asked – uh, by members of the committee about uh, Hunter Biden and uh, the job that he had over in the Ukraine. And uh, here's what he had to say about this. This is cut number three. We, we talked a little bit about at your deposition about whether um, Mr. Biden was qualified to serve on this board um, and, and you know, I, b- I believe you acknowledge that apparently he was not, in fact, qualified. As far as I can tell, he, he didn't seem to be. But uh, like I said, I don't, I don't know his um, qualifications. Okay. Okay. That was Vindman, all right, saying specifically, as far as I can tell, Hunter Biden was not qualified to serve on Burisma's corporate board. Now. It doesn't take a rocket science a scientist to look at that and say, well, then why was he on the board? Oh, yeah, his last name is Biden. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, it's, very, it's obvious. He's talking about buying access to taxpayers' money that's and what, markets. Yeah. It's about buying access is, is what it is. So that's the reason attorneys make so good politicians is because they can have clients – that they can not disclose by law 
and that can pay them, you know, like $900,000 over five years. In consulting fees. In, 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 in legal fees, yeah, in legal fees. Now, if you want consulting fees, then you just need to be a senator represented and start a consulting business. Mm-hmm. And you could be, I don't know, you could be like a, a farmer and be consulting for a I don't know, maybe a Medicaid provider. Well, maybe so. And, 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 maybe an insurance uh, company. But, but just like the thing here, it's all of a sudden Biden's son is an expert on, you on know, like, energy. On energy and oil exploration. In Europe. Yeah, in Europe. So, uh, so it's funny how all these things play out both locally and abroad and it there's it's like a parallel. And for everybody wondering, well, why do we keep bringing this up? Because of the corruption that is inherent in that i mean think if you just think about it for a moment you can see the corruption as clear as day well if, if there wasn't so much if, if there wasn't a relationship where the federal government was giving them money and where there wasn't there wasn't money involved and some other country in the, uh, halfway around the world calls up joe biden's son and says hey would you like to come and work on our board because we think you're really qualified and if there's no money involved anywhere as far as then who would care well there was a lot of money involved because he was making fifty thousand dollars a month that's not bad that's not bad if you can get that that job not bad not bad for uh, for my um, standard of living i mean that's that's, that's How pretty much? decent money. Fifty thousand a month. Fifty thousand dollars a month. That's what Hunter Biden was making. Hmm. I'd be on the board for fifty thousand dollars a month, I guess. But you know, I wouldn't <laughs> give them much access to anything. You yeah, know, I don't have any. I don't have a, I a could father give them, running for president or anything like that. I could give them access to the truth. <laughs> that's that's yeah. about all. I don't, I don't know. Right. If they pay that they much. probably don't want to hear it. I don't know if they pay fifty thousand a month for that. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, everybody even says. I mean. We've had all of these different Jennifer Williams and Alexander Vindman and some of these other people who have now come up to testify, and they all, when they get to Hunter Biden, say that he shouldn't have been on that board and that they had brought up the conflict of interest that was inherent in him taking that gig and nobody did anything to stop it. And you're right when you talk about the President of the United States uh, has been the only person who's really helped the Ukraine. It wasn't President Obama. I mean, to get a few weapons, they had to drive into a major metropolitan area and put them in the trunk of a car mm. and drive them back to where the fighting was happening. Wow. So, you know, the, Obama's so, people were not helping the Ukraine. So... So you try to say that a president is bribing them that's done more for Ukraine than probably the last three presidents put together. And as far as I can tell, you know, uh, Biden's son has not been put in prison and they have been no charges brought against him up to this point. And they have the money. So uh, what's the issue? The issue is the Democrats don't think they have a winner for next November and they're trying to splash as much mud as they possibly can upon this president. I believe that the American people can see right through this and that may be the only reason I can see that McConnell may have a trial in 
the Senate so that they can bring the truth out to the American people. And just totally, I think, at that point, uh, destroy the Democrats in what they've been trying to do. The impeachment vote, if they do bring it to that, they're running polls right now. You know, that's what every good politician and every does party does is you you start a campaign, a framing track campaign, and you uh, try to frame your opponent to be out what you want people to see him to be. And then, you know, about a month or two in the campaign, you run polls and see if you're improving in the poll, then you keep running the campaign. If you're doing worse in the polls, then you stop running the campaign. So that's the way the decision-making is for both sides. So they're going to run a poll here in the next week or two after these are over. And if they're worse in the polls, which I expect them to be, then they'll drop it and there won't be a vote on an impeachment because it's making them look like, you know, a bunch of bullies on on a playground. But if it improves them a lot... They will vote part of the lines, and they will stick together, and he will be impeached. But the only reason they'll do either one of them is if it helps them in the polls for presidency. You think they're that smart? Yeah, they're that smart. They, yeah, they, they are. They the thing are. is, it, it may actually boost some of their support among the far left. Well, they've and, already got the left. Well, but they, they don't help but, to get people but, you've already got. You've got to get new people. And that, but part of the thing is, though, they may be still be kind of looking at some of their primary issues, some of their primary elections. And so sometimes they stay stupid during the primaries. And so they may, it may be that they're going to hang themselves in their own primaries. Well, it looks to me like they're hanging themselves from the testimonies on television. But, uh, but I think they'll run a poll here after all after they've heard all these witnesses, and they'll decide whether to impeach him or not. But there's one thing the Democrats can do: they can stick together and they can vote party lines. They do that, and if it shows that they're improving in the polls and, and this frame job's working, then then the president will be impeached because they'll vote party lines on it. So here's here's the question: How many polls do you believe? I talked about the latest ABC Ipso poll that came out uh, yesterday that showed 51% of the people that they talked to believe that the president should be impeached. Now, this is to determine what the American voter is saying, right? How many people do you think that they actually polled? Well, the thing about it is, is there's two type of polls. There's a poll that you put in the newspaper for propaganda purposes to try to convince everybody that the other party doesn't have the chance. And then there's the polls that you sit in a room with and really make decisions with. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you run a poll, how you ask the question can determine the outcome uh, of the poll. Sure. So you're going to have polls to put in the newspaper to say, hey, we ran this poll, and boy, the president is really a bad guy and everybody believes it but then there's going to be another poll that they set down that's going to be a, probably a real one that that they'll may have to make an honest decision with on whether proceed okay so or not. this is abc and ipso okay okay they went out and they uh they polled x amount of people to to get this uh the, the results 51 percent of the people that were polled said president should be impeached how many people do you believe they polled? 100 people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Bigger I, than that. Is it bigger? Shoot, if you didn't poll 5,000 people, you didn't you didn't get a true reading on it. Yeah, about 510 people. Mm-hmm. 510, 510 people? 510 people. That could be everybody at church one day. Yeah. 510 <laughs> do you people. Know, that's do a joke. You, do you know? 
How many people voted in the last election? <laughs> 136 million. So you're going to get a good representation not, out of not, 500 people. And, not a very and big ABC, cross-section. If ABC was going to run a poll, you know, who would they pick? The people that you call has a lot of outcome. How many Democrats so did you call own. versus Republicans versus just, uh, Independents? Just simply that's the exactly time of right. day could drastically change the outcome of something like that. Just if, if you if you call at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when the welfare recipients are at home, then you know you might get a lot more um, people who like socialism versus you call in the evening when when um, working people have a tendency to be off. That that just then, goes to show I mean, that they five hundred people just goes to show you cannot believe anything that in ABC puts out. You cannot believe anything because it's not about the tr- truth. It's about an agenda. So anything they say, well, is it's slant. exactly what you said, R.D. Are they doing it because they're really interested in the information they're going to get, or are they doing the polling to be able to get a particular narrative out to the people and make them believe that this is what is happening? I believe, as you said, in this case, it's a narrative. You could could run 50 polls with 500 people each, and you could have 47 different outcomes— and you pick the one you want. Yeah, tell me what county in the United States of America you're going to run the poll, and you can pretty well t- sure. And we can al- already tell you probably uh, what the outcome is going to be. But if you're in the state of Arkansas, they'd look hard to find 500, 500 people. I mean, I went to Branson this weekend. You know how many Trump bumper stickers oh, I saw a lot of Branson them, baby. this weekend? <laughs> yep. Wow. Did you go see all the lights up there at the... Uh we did the drive-through lights. Did you? Okay. through We didn't go to Silver Dollar City. Oh man, I got to get to lights. Silver Dollar City. I got to see it's all beautiful. the lights. It's I'm beautiful. Sure it's great. We saw the. We we took a, a lot of our people there at Sunny's. Uh, we took a took them up to the Dixie Stampede. All oh, right, and, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, and to do. Uh, they've got a real good Christmas show this year. Oh, so do we they? really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, I have to go. Mm. I got to go see because I love. Number one, I like. Dolly Parton, I think that she puts on family entertainment, and uh, the the Stampede is very very good. You know, a lot of talented people. She did take Dixie out of the name of, of the Stampede, hmm. so I think she maybe rubbing el- elbows with too many Hollywood people. But they still talked about God and the reason for the season, so uh, they hmm. did pretty good. Well, we're going to talk about that specifically about another business. That we need to discuss about oh, it. Oh, I know which yeah. one that is. Yeah, mm-hmm. Governor Huckabee really went after him yesterday. Good for and you. rightly so, to be Good honest with you. Rightly so. Uh, before we get to that, though, I'm going to switch the uh, uh, topic that we're on because uh, we've said about all we can say basically about the impeachment right now. I'm, I'm watching that uh, Volker is there right now and. Mr. Morrison, uh, no, it's not the, it's not the son of Jim Morrison, uh, but the, the bottom line, they're up, they're up doing their uh, testimonies now. Oh, no, they're both giving opening statements. Oh my God, another opening statement. But anyway, we've got that. Uh, anything happens, I'll let you know. But when we come back, a half cent sales tax being proposed by. Some of the politicians in the state of Arkansas to not only be put
put into uh, in perpetuity, used all the time, but to be added to the to the, the Constitution the state of, of the state of Arkansas. <coughs> Excuse me. I have real problems with that, and we're going to talk about it. It's all about roads. We'll discuss it on the Dave Ellswick Show next. All right. As we come back to the show, we've got about uh, four minutes before we get to the news. I'm going to turn it over to R.D. for just a few moments. Something that you're going to have to vote on next year in November, and I had talked to R.D. and Paul and Jan uh, a long time ago and said that I wanted to get out in front of this whole half-cent sales tax for roads because I want to derail it as fast as we possibly can to get that done it's going to take a grassroots effort by the voters of this state, state because the people who want this to pass have a lot of money at their disposal well, to try to, to, to pull the wool over your they eyes. Can, they can look at it as an investment on their part if they spend a few million dollars here and there to advertise for this tax increase. Because you, if you've got, you've got a, a, a road-building construction company where you might get several hundred million dollars worth of contracts if this thing passes you might look at it and say you know what we, we we may need to go ahead and invest some money up front to get this thing passed so that we can um this co- is collect with argument. dividends yeah if people yeah if people want to know more about this gas tax uh mike wickline had an excellent article in the in the democrat uh I uh, believe it was November the 16th. On November the 16th, if you want to look up the Mike Wickline article on the Arkansas Democrat. But the governor just kicked off last Friday a campaign uh, for the half-cent sales tax to remain in place on the 2020 general election. Kind of a background on this ta- tax. Back when the Democrats were uh, in charge in the governor's office and we had a Democratic governor, then... Uh, uh, ten years ago, they had a half-cent sales tax to meet some goals to do some roads. So they wanted to uh, complete these projects, so they sent a ten-year uh, sunset. Uh, sunset on the sales tax for half a cent. This half a cent is on everything that is sold in the states besides groceries and food and food products. So, so this is a half-cent that the democrats brought in to complete some what i would call some stimulus package uh is what i call these kind of things is stimulus packages that's what barack obama Stim- called stimulates them. the government uh, b- b- right stimulus no it stimulates the the uh, the economy the way they see it that taxpayers money provides more jobs and and growth in the economy with taxpayers money but this half cent sales tax was put in for 10 years well the 10 years is expiring the tax the voters voted for 10 years it cannot go past 10 years the voters voted for it so now the governor has come up with his campaign to keep this half a cent instead of getting of asking the taxpayers to give them another 10 years what they want to do is put this uh half cent sales tax permanently in the arkansas state constitution so it will be never voted on it again and if you read the bill besides putting the half cent sales tax permanently in the arkansas state constitution it also 
uh, puts a trigger in it to raise the tax periodically every few years. So not only will we be able to vote ever again if we want this sales tax, it will automatically rise without our vote. Wow. Mike Wickline does an excellent job with this article. He also points out that Arkansas, when it comes to sales tax, is the number two sell, most taxed state in the nation when it comes to sales tax. Only Tennessee. Only Tennessee beats Arkansas right now. All right. Keep that in mind as we uh, take a break for news. And when we come back, talk about something that's going to impact your wallet. All right. We continue. We're talking about the half-cent sales tax. This was on Friday. The governor announced that, uh, you know, he is firmly behind trying to get this half-cent sales tax uh, put in. I like how he tries to say it's not increasing taxes. Problem is, the governor knows that's just semantics because it is increasing taxes because this is a tax that is sunsetted. It's going to go away unless you vote it on yourself come November is, of next year. It's a new tax. It, well, it will be, becomes a new tax if we vote for it. Did we elect Republicans to uh, continue all the tax policies of the Democrats? Or did we re- elect Republicans to reduce the size of government and lower our taxes? Well, I think I think a lot of donors to some of these republicans supported them to go out and raise taxes or to or, or to, at least to, to keep to, to keep taxes to, high. To keep I, I, I think there's i don't think republicans unfortunately i don't think republicans are immune to the influence of their donors well, well no you got that but here's the other thing that you have which is easier to do go into the budget and find the money that should be used and cut to, out the, to fund uh, the, the highways or to just tell everybody, hey, it's a half a cent, a half a penny that you're going to be paying extra so that we can have the streets made of gold. So we don't have to be more efficient or bring Arkansas into the to the current economy that you don't have to right. govern it's right it is you don't have easier to, govern. to throw money at a problem that's it's it it sure actually, it is yeah, absolutely I mean, but the, you know one of the cool things about people who don't just have lots and lots of money is they're innovative they get innovative because you know if you don't if you don't have enough money to buy the latest fancy tools and all the all the best possible um, um, supplies to to build something maybe you're working on you improvise. You actually innovate. You figure out ways to do something in a less that's, expensive way. That is just business in general. We tried to do that. Remember, uh, Barnett, this was his half-cent sales. He is the yeah. one who brought this up. Plus, he was the one who brought up to go in and uh, take money for, like, on the sale of batteries and things Automotive of that nature. Related, yeah. that, that money that came into the system should go towards the highways as well and he said and the the general assembly said we'll go along with this for 10 years after 10 years it sunsets 
it goes out of out of uh well, so Jonathan Barnett was trying to fix it right yes he was and we had a democratic governor at that time and with a democratic governor it passed it passed this, this the was, house this was and actually the, in the Senate, I believe it passed the House and but the it Senate. But was, it was derailed in some way, and I forget but how so, it got derailed. So the governor, never, the governor never signed it, but basically it was saying we are going to earmark current tax money and direct it toward roads because it's a priority instead of looking into some, in some of our uh, waste money and cut anything out and, and, and cut the budget. You know, this is two hundred and five million dollars a year for the state, and forty-three million dollars a year for the county. And j- just like you were saying when we were off the air, the type of people that's on the governor's committee—this is called issue one—but some of the people, just some of the people on the governor's committee to promote this, is the General Contractors Association, uh, Arkansas Pavement and Asphalt Association. <laughs> surprise, surprise, and uh, yeah. The Builders and General Contractors Association. Hmm. So these are all the people that are promoting. That will benefit. So you've got this committee promoting, right, putting this tax in the state constitution where it will be there forever. So you've got the people promoting it that is going to get receive the money when it passes. So, so can we maybe do a little research and look at who these different groups are donating money to their campaigns for? And can we suggest that, you know, maybe this is a little bit of quid pro quo going on. We're talking about quid pro quo on the Washington level. What about on the state level? It, you know, if, if a politician supports a measure like this, which is going to undoubtedly bring large amounts of money in the form of contracts to some or of these different groups, is it not reasonable to look and see, you know, are these different groups giving money to these politicians who are supporting these massive tax increases well, if there's anybody out there that believes they're not, you know, we've got some oceanfront property in Jasper. But, uh, <laughs> but also, if you read the article that Mike Wickline put out on the 16th in the Democrat, he also says that the governor says that this is going to require a minimum $2.5 million advertising campaign to to put it out to the tax, to the taxpayers in the state of Arkansas so they can make an informed decision on this. So it looks to me like, and this would be a good question I would have for, for J.R. Davis or somebody that's working on this, because J.R. Davis is working on this. Mm-hmm. This may be the reason that he shipped him over to the Gilmore Group, because he needed him more over there to help him get this tax passed than he needed him you know on his staff but uh jr does an excellent job but i'd like to know my question is is where is the 2.5 million dollars coming from to roll this campaign out to try to continue the taxes well i predict that that will come from these different people that you're seeing that have thrown their hat into the ring to back the governor it mentions in the article for instance there's a guy that owns his wife i think owns a, a floral shop and blew out a tire when she had a pothole, and he gave $100 towards the campaign. That's where this money's going to come from. Well, this is what's going on. The state of Arkansas has not cut 
the DHS budget. They have not made any significant cuts in the budget of Arkansas. Last time I checked, the budget was still growing at 3 or 4% of the year, the same that it's been growing Different for a long time. between taxing and governing. So government is not shrinking. And so instead of cutting anything, they are, they are, asking, they are asking for more money. Here's the key. The money's there. What? It's more important. These different the money. The reason that Julie Mayberry's piece of legislation died in the last session, which would have taken money from different areas and put them in into the roads, that would have made up for this like two hundred and fifty million dollars they're talking about. That didn't happen because there are other groups all across the state of Arkansas that are benefiting from that money being collected on batteries and tires and and whatever that's out there if you if roads are the most important thing that the governor is saying that we need to address then let's govern accordingly let's cut prioritize let's cut programs that are not important uh, or the most important, and let's not raise taxes. And whether you want to say they're raising taxes or not, you're asking the people of Arkansas to raise taxes on themselves, saying there's no other way to do this. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If this gets defeated, you'll be amazed at how they'll find money. Yeah, they always on, find to work they on always, the highways. They always find the money. And another thing, the state of Arkansas has the money to patch the roads. The county you live in has the money to patch the roads. Lono County, last time I checked, had about uh, between eleven and twelve million dollars sitting in the road department, and we've got potholes all over the place. But the money That's is there to fix to the, the roads. They are spending it on. The judge is not in the county. In the county, it's very clear you cannot use road money for anything else in the county but roads. But the state of Arkansas, you can take what we're paying in on automotive products, and it goes in the general fund, and they'll spend it all for these welfare programs. Our road corporate, money, corporate welfare, yeah, or whatever else may be. Right. So all these welfare programs are sucking up our road money. The reason they want you hitting potholes and breaking your wheels is because so you'll vote for the next tax that they put before you. So for the flower guy in Lone Oak, I'm sorry, you're already paying the money to fix the roads or spending it on something else. That's RD's opinion. Well, and anyway. how else do you get people to vote for that stuff if they're not breaking their axles out from under That's their... exactly right. So there's a reason the roads are terrible, because they want you to vote for their tax. So Just... all these other taxes, and how much? How many times, Dave, in the last five years have you seen them come up with road money at the end of the year? Yeah. Is this not something that happens every session and every year? It's, it is the equivalent of what you see on in the county and on the uh, city taxes when they come out wanting an increase because they want more police officers or more firemen as though they don't have any money to to hire firemen and to hire uh you know police uh to to be on their staffs when in fact it's your number one responsibility and you should budget that 
number one and then make your way down the line. Again, it comes down to are you going to tax, which is the easy way, or are you going to govern, which is the tough way. This is the reason why I've been so strongly for uh, the lieutenant governor. I I think that he honestly wants to make government smaller and yet make it more efficient. Well, I've got a report on that. I was at the Cleburne County Republican dinner uh, about a week ago, and Tim Griffin was the speaker there at Cleburne County at their annual dinner. Mm-hmm. And Tim Griffin said, and Tim, if you're listening, and you can call in if I'm quoting you wrong, that I would not vote. This is Tim Griffin's quote. I'm going to quote him. I'm going to do my best. I would not vote for another tax until the state government could convince me they're spending every dime they're getting now responsibly. He's been saying that for years. That's not nothing new. He's been I mean, saying that for years. If, if, a dr- if you have a teenager with a serious drinking problem, wastes his money, and he's overweight, and would you give him more money? Would you give him more allowance? <laughs> yeah. Wait, would, would, you? <coughs> would you? Would you? If you had a teenager, say they're 16 years old, he's, he's um, destroying what he has, squanders it, and... I like, Would you give them a bigger allowance? I like that idea. So, from what Paul, what Dave, or what Paul just said is, taxpayers of Arkansas, if you're listening, if you vote for this half cent tax on everything that's sold in the state of Arkansas, you are enabling the government to be irresponsible and not run efficiently. Yeah, I mean, difference you're an enabler. Be- difference between governing. And taxing. Right. If you want the to take advantage of an opportunity to give a no confidence vote to the government, vote no. This is an opportunity here, folks. Say so we cannot be no. bought. Vote against this thing and tell the government, look, we don't trust you. You've got too much of our money now. We don't trust you with more. How much we got in the general fund now? How much extra have we pulled in in the state now? It's been I mean, quite how, a how bit, much surplus I, you mean? Yeah, what's our oh, I don't surplus? Know. It's, is it it's several millions, hundred million dollars? It's millions and millions of dollars. Is it, is it 150 or 200 million? <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly what it is, but here's what I do know. They must be doing a pretty good job of raising money if they've got that much money sitting. If you had, let's just say you're just an average schmo like me, and you've got $40,000 in savings, most of us would feel pretty good about that. It means that we've done things pretty much the right way. But when you got hundreds of millions of dollars and you're asking people to give more of their money to do that and you've already asked them for a 3% raise on their gas. And you that's a good point. And you know, I point. mean, you're, you've got all of this money that you keep asking people for. And uh, bottom line is, is that... Um, I just don't think they need any more. They need to start spending it the way that it's supposed to be spent. They're giving us a $2 service and charging us 50 bucks for it. That's a good point, and that's something our listeners need to know. It was Act 416. Mike Wickline also puts it in there. Act 416 has our state house and representatives, led by the Republicans up there, has already voted to give to wage a three percent wholesale tax on your gas, six percent on on diesel, and yeah, don't 6%. think that you'll not see that. It will be in the products that you buy. So three percent on gas 
and six percent on diesel that raises it to twenty four and a half and actually it'll be more than that so if the wholesaler gets charged six percent on diesel and he adds it to his price that six percent will be marked up by his markup that's so, right so, so if he has a five percent markup then that uh, so it's going to go up he's going to have more than five percent so so the, maybe twenty five so the tax will get will get markup put on top of the tax so that's another sneaky way that they do it and that puts it under the radar so that three percent really did not go in to our sales tax uh quota if you figured that three percent that they put on our taxes and then you figured uh what we're voting on that might put us under the tennessee but putting it as a wholesale tax then it doesn't show up on the radar as 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 it's a hidden tax that's right all right Got to get a break, final break for this hour. Man, this hour's gone fast. This is an important local topic you've got to start thinking about, talking to your friends about, and uh, discussing as it we move towards November of next year. Will you vote for a half-cent uh, sales tax, or will you vote against? I can only tell you I will vote against an increase in sales tax. Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Okay, when I talk <coughs> and when we talk here as a group, I think I can, I can say that we're not saying that we should not have money in the bank. I believe we need to have money in the bank in case something happens. I mean, like you have a you know, a breakout of tornadoes all over the state, and you're going to have to go in and, and help people rebuild and things of maybe, that nature. Maybe fix some bridges or yeah. something that just However, blown out. However, we did a little research during the break, and I want to thank R.D.'s wife for helping us out for this. What's her name again? Jennifer. I, I know the answer. I just <laughs> wanted him to say. Yeah, Jennifer looked this up. How much money do we have in the bank now here in the state of arkansas the 19 surplus shows to be 295 point million dollar surplus okay and did you not say to me that that is the highest ever surplus we've had here in the state yeah this is another mike wickline article from july the 14th if you want to look it up on the Democrat on July the 14th, it says the 19 surplus is the fifth largest surplus in the last 30 years in okay, the state of Arkansas. Large, not the largest, yeah, but the, the fifth, fifth largest, largest in 30 years. I think we years. got up to like $300 million one time during Huckabee's administration, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then BB spent it all. Well, and so this half-cent sales tax is is it $200 million a year or something? $250, like $250 million, million if you look at state and you know your local so they're running a, a 250 million dollar surplus right now or two, two almost 295 almost three four almost yeah, 395 surplus right now so they, they can just look at that and say you know what you know what folks we don't need this tax we're gonna we're gonna ask you to vote against it then wouldn't that be awesome if the governor would come out and say that look we've got so this we don't surplus need any going more on. money we've we've cut government we've, we've lowered taxes oh that would be awesome coming yeah. from the governor but, it, but it, wouldn't it be awesome if he would at least just come out and say you know what we've got a surplus coming in right now let's just hold off on this tax wouldn't and that be just cool it also says that it's quoted the governor as saying that we that arkansas now has 150 million in long-term saving fund so uh, in the long-term rescue fund. So, so that is in, just that's, in addition. that's not how much that we have sitting in the bank as a surplus. Wow. That's just the surplus between what was collected 
and what was spent, budgeted and what was budgeted well, that and year. So, and so, which is and that doesn't count all the money in the bank from all the different agencies that have have um, surpluses and and whatnot. So, so how many? What what is the actual surplus right now in the state of Arkansas? Is it hundreds of? Is it is it billions of dollars really? Right, and you know a, another thing that was brought up. Yeah, it could be a bunch, but you know it was brought up that uh, a lot of the Republicans, and I think it started with Peyton, wanted to raise the Arkansas used car tax exemption from four thousand dollars up to like ten thousand dollars. So if you had a college student that or students in the family, I talked to a guy in Cabot, Arkansas, mm-hmm. that had three kids in college and he had had to buy three cars for these kids in one year because their old cars had gone out. Mm-hmm. And he could not buy a, a car for twenty five hundred dollars that was dependable enough to get his kids back and forth to college. So he had to buy three cars and pay taxes on three cars in one year. That had already co- had taxes paid on them. Yeah, Maybe several yeah. times already. That's exactly right. So John Payton and and some of some of our cons- conservative group of republicans up there said let's give the taxpayers a break a little break let's give them a break you can't buy a car for four thousand dollars but you can't do that when there's other people depending on that money right that you're giving it to and and i forgot i'm sorry if i I forgot exactly how much it it would cost the state but be nowhere near what the surplus is i think i think their estimation was maybe Ten or twelve million dollars, something like that, and, of reduction of, and it failed for our listeners. And, it failed. Yeah, and I think it was because the governor was opposed to it. Is that is that not? I think that's part fair of, to part say, of the, but part of the, I can't uh, quote him. But bottom I, bottom line is, we're not saying that we should not have some money for rainy day fund. We need that. However, how much do you need? That's something as a citizen of Arkansas, you need to start considering. You really need to start considering. And I agree with what Tim Griffin, the lieutenant governor, says. Until you know that your government is spending the money the way that you expect it to be spent, don't give them any more. It's just the way it goes. All right. A break and a final hour with the uh, my uh, good buddies here on the panel, the power panel. We'll be back with them in just a moment. show and yes i'm dave ellswick and i am here today and i don't foresee any problems with that except 
Technology is great, except when it's not working. <laughs> All right. And right now, my pump for my uh, Antibiotic. antibiotics is started acting up for some reason. And since uh, I don't have the money to hire a nurse to follow me around, I am doing everything I can to try to take care of this myself. And it's it's got a, it's got an argument problem. It 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 makes noises, so it, it squeals. And then, and then it stops for no reason. Hmm. And that's, you, just, you know, just get you a, like a broom handle, and every time it makes a noise, whack just it. whack it. <laughs> now, I've, I've been whack thinking about good. maybe doing that. Uh, it's just really it's irritating that it does this. <laughs> it did this earlier today, and then it worked its way through it, and I haven't had a problem. I think it's maybe got a since about eleven fifteen this morning. It's kind of got a maybe it's got some some thick spots in it maybe yeah i don't know in the, but it, in the like antibody. i hear when it when it finally stops beeping i can hear the the it pump working. working so oh. you know we'll just have to see uh wow. how it all comes out in the end i uh, i just text my wife and said why don't you come a little earlier today so you can <laughs> kind of look at this thing when mm. it's beeping at me yeah. she works with it more than i do to be mm. honest with you so it is what it is. Yeah. We do what we can these to elect, do. These electronic IV machines are, are kind of neat. No, they, see? Yeah. Here it goes again. <laughs> it, Maybe they allow, allow a little more precision sometimes. But. It sounds like I'm in France. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. See, and then it stops. Huh. I don't know what's going on with Wow. It. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, I so, do, hey, little... Dr. Driscoll, if you're listening to the show, call <laughs> 823-0965. It's just saying it's saying high pressure. And right? I don't know, and that would make me think that the line is kinked somewhere. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm seeing. It's good and clear. Huh? It's clear. It's straight out in all the areas. So I, don't know. I have a high pressure problem sometimes. I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about your about your temper. Right? I'm not talking about that anyway. I'm trying to trying to figure this. Well, beating this it out. on the table didn't work. No. <laughs> So I'm gonna huh. let me look inside and see. Maybe if there's something need happening some new, inside Need some here. new batteries. I brought in. I had my youngest daughter was born at premature at 2.7 pounds. Oh and, wow! And uh, we got to bring her home at four pounds. And my wife was uh, in the bed and not in real good health for the first several weeks. So. Uh, mm-hmm. She came home with breathing monitors and heart monitors. Oh, wow. So um, I got to hear that sound there every time a lead would get loose oh. or every time oh. and it sends, she would pull over wire terror or something. It you when it Right, happens. because, you know, you don't know. You know, for the first week, you know, it's like you mm. jump up and think that there's a bad problem. But, you know, after about three but, weeks, it's like, well, uh, it's probably just another lead again. Of, of 400 false alarms. So yeah, just so exactly you know, right. I just sent my... My wife, a text, need you to come to the station. The pump is messing up, <laughs> and I have coming up now. Oh, so she was already on her way. She's on her huh? way. Yep, she's here, so I'll let her work on it and see if she can figure out what's going on. But anyway, if you, that is, I am not in France. I am not in Paris doing this show from Paris. I just want you to know that is my uh, pump that's doing that intermittently, so... Just have to put up with it like I'm putting up with it. You know, we, we've we always given Paris a hard time for not being maybe the toughest people in the mm. world or people that surrender too easy or somebody maybe we have to bail out every once in a while. But uh, there's a special. I'm always watching documentaries that I suggest on the air. But uh, you, 
you need to watch Women of World War Two on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you see some of the French underground that were trying to fight the Nazis, many who were women and mostly women, yeah. uh, the, they were some heroic freedom fighters that were in France. Yeah. I, I can't say anything. Come on in, I Linda. can't kid about France anymore. Here comes Linda. <laughs> this is After my, watching that. Just everybody know, this is my personal nurse. <laughs> All right, yeah. so sweetheart, it's making that noise, and then it stops, and then it'll huh. start again. So, you're it somewhere. I'm not pinching it. Yes, it Where? I don't see anything. It stops. I know it stops. It's been doing that on its own. It thinks he's okay. going to sleep, so it goes off to wake him up every once in a while. By the way, <laughs> this is breaking news. Uh, Volker was giving his testimony today. Uh, we talked a little bit about his over one-hour introductory statement. This afternoon, Kurt Volker, former envoy to Ukraine, and Tim Morrison, a senior director at the NSC, are uh, testifying. He was asked today uh, if he... Here it is. Let me get it right for you. That's not what I wanted there. He said today, nobody at the White House asked him to bribe or exhort anything out of anyone. Closed. To me, this shuts down what the Democrats are saying. They're saying all these people know about all this bad things that the president has done, and the bottom line is... He hasn't done anything. Who are bad. these people and where are these people? And, and if the Democrats are accusing people of bribery, who are the, who are the people that are being bribed by Democrats? I mean, it, it, you know, it, maybe we should kind of look at this as a um, as a as a hint that maybe the Democrats are bribing somebody and, and we just don't know about it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be quite quite a long list, but but once again, there this is an implied threat. You know that was given out by secondhand information and once again just like dave said earlier you can get online and read the the phone conversation that was between them you can get online to read it and uh i've yet to talk to anybody that has just taken the time to sit down and read it that says oh you know he was bribing them and he needs to be impeached but you know the democrats they run on emotions and feelings instead of facts. So they are playing on the emotions and on the feelings of of the American people, and in trying to uh, to uh, frame the president. And all people have to do is read the phone conversation and make a decision for yourself. But look at the facts. Don't look at the whiners or the belly acres on CNN or or. Uh, any of those ABC or but, but, any but of those fake is, though, news stations. If you've got a warped moral compass, then sometimes you might take advantage of opportunities to try to get your way, even if they're totally irrelevant or, or completely unfounded. And so if, you're, if your goal is to get money for your socialist project or your, or your communist-type project, or you need to give some money to your buddies – and you need the right politicians in office to do that. Then, and if Trump happens to be in your way, and you need to get him out of the way, then then what does it matter if if a story is not true or if there's just no substance to it? If the goal is to get 
a politician or a lawmaker or a president in this case out of office so that you can get your um, your people in place to, to get the power where you want it, then why would you care? Why, why, well, we why, why a, would a corrupt or morally incompetent person care about truth? Well, you know, ask the Democrats. They <laughs> right. should have the answer to that. Well, we have a girl next door that stays a lot at our house. She's a friend of my daughter's, Alyssa, that lives right next door to us. She goes to public school. So she came home with a assignment from one of her teachers, and it said, what do you think about the president's quid pro quid pro pro quo pro? Uh, what do you think about this, and do you think it's right or wrong? So in so the asking of the assignment, the they, teacher they, was assuming guilty, huh? that there was a quid pro quo pro in it and ask the students to write why they if they thought it was right or wrong or not assuming that he was guilty anyway yeah so what Alyssa does is she knows my wife is usually up on these things so she come over and she sat down with my wife and she read the entire phone conversation to Alyssa and then helped Alyssa form her response or get her thoughts down on paper and uh, see what uh, she thought about it. But uh, that report that she got back probably wasn't the report that well, she was expecting to get. You know, but, you know, they sat down and they read the facts. wonder what her grade was. Now, I have to ask her. So, that so means, is, I'll have to ask her what is, her grade was. Is this one there. of those prime examples of the public school system being a massive campaign tool for the Democrat Party? Well, one thing that I want to see the Republicans do is if our kids are going to get indoctrinated at school we were going to give both sides of the coin if you're going to teach creation in the schools of arkansas and and teach that uncle ralph was a squirrel it came from a monkey i mean evolution right evolution then you should also teach creation to go along with it so if you're going to teach our kids that socialism is a good form of government you also need to teach capitalism to go along with it. It doesn't need to be a one-sided uh, education. So one of the problems we need you, God you, back in our schools as a theory. You can't. I think it's physically or intellectually impossible to teach free market capitalism in public school because public school is a socialist program that children are immersed into. So it's. it's I think it's. I think it's. It's literally impossible to teach. For, for the school itself to teach free market capitalism inside of a socialist institution. Well, I've seen it done. I've seen it done before, and I had a grandfather that was a school teacher, and uh, and there are a lot of teachers that do not believe the things that they're having to teach in the classroom. So if you can't take a teacher that, like I said, that assumes and, that. Uh, you know, quid pro quo happened and assumes it and gives them an assignment, they are teaching one-sided and they're trying to say that he's guilty, you know, in the assignment. But I think that if you're going to teach one side, you need to teach both sides as a theory. If you're going to teach, uh, if you're going to teach the big boom theory, that there was a big explosion and all life forms came out of a bowl of soup or a mud puddle that you also need to a, teach. A, a sterile mud puddle. Right, yeah, a, ster- <laughs> a mud puddle. And, and you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall, and, you know, monkeys and, and gorillas and fish and, you know, 
and humans all came out of the same place if you want to teach that in our school systems you also need to teach creation and teach that god created the heavens and the earth you have to teach both sides but we have a one-sided school system and our republicans now that they're in charge need to put god back in our schools and they need to put they need to put the theory of capitalism back in our schools and people that create business and create commerce are not people that are stealing or taking things away from people this big bang theory that is being taught in schools and universities it is atheism i think we recognize it it is it is is the religion of atheism being taught no doubt i mean what, what else is it it is a religion. It is the, re- the religion or the lack of religion, which is, in this case, it is some, somewhat of a religion itself because it's, it, it takes faith to believe this nonsense. And this religion believe, teaches that everybody's just animals, but if you take all the guns away from people, they'll quit killing each other yeah. like animals. Yeah. But the answer is to put God back in our schools, put the golden rule back in our schools, and that life is precious and everyone's created equal in god's image so soon as we put that back in our schools uh republicans and everybody else out there then your crime problem and your killing and your shootings will take care of themselves trying to take all sharp objects away from our citizens is not going to well, solve I mean, the problem you know if if outlawing guns and all weapons in general was effective the murder rate in prison would be pretty low right yeah, yeah. You, you, exactly. You'd think the crime rate inside of prisons would be very, very, very low. If since you can't even have a fork in prison for, for crying out loud, they won't they won't let you have any kind of weapon at all that could, or even things that could that could work as a weapon in many cases. Yeah, yeah. If the Democrats had their way, we'd all be eating with plastic sporks so we couldn't hurt <laughs> each other with them. All right. With that <laughs> in mind, let's get our break in. We got to get one in, and when we come back, what's got former governor Mike Huckabee and his hackles up. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so everyone knows that listens to this show that former governor Mike Huckabee has long championed Chick-fil-A in face of attacks that that they've come under from the left. But after the company's announcement yesterday to stop donating to two Christian organizations. He's changed his tune. The company announced it was donating to initiatives that further its, quote, mission of nourishing the potential in every child, unquote. It said that in 2020, it would stop donating to two Christian organizations, that being the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the Salvation Army, that have been accused by gay rights activists of having anti-LGBTQ views. In August of 2012, says Huckabee, I coordinated a National Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day. I think we all remember that in the huge lines going around Chick-fil-A. I remember. Uh, After they were being bullied by militant hate groups, today Chick-fil-A betrayed local customers for dollars. I regret believing they would stay true to convictions of founder Truett Cathy. Sad. The prominent conservative Christian leader added that the popular chicken chain's move was seen as, quote, surrendering to critics and betraying loyal customers to appease those who despise them. 
Huckabee wasn't alone, though, as many expressed their disappointment and anger online, questioning if the company will stay true to the faith and family values. Billy Hallowell, the author of Pure Flicks, a Christian production company, said the fact that the mainstream media has reduced the Salvation Army, one of the most important humanitarian groups, uh, humanitarian groups around, who we support all the time here on the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, to an anti-LGBTQ organization tells us everything we need to know about our current culture, unquote. He added that the decision was a bad one because it made no one happy. The most insane part of Chick-fil-A's decision, Hallowell said, it does little to appease those who have long loathed the company. Meanwhile, it does everything to alienate those who have backed the company endlessly against attacks. The National Gay Rights Group, GLAAD, said the company's statement should be greeted with, quote, cautious optimism. But more work needs to be done. Quote, Chick-fil-A still lacks policies to ensure safe workplaces for LGBTQ employees and should unequivocally speak out against the anti-LGBTQ reputation that their brand represents. That according to Drew Anderson, GLAD's director of campaigns and rapid response, he said that to CNN. I got more on this story when we uh, we come back, but we got to get to the news. And then when we do come back, I'd like to hear what you think about this. A two three oh nine six five. I can tell you, I will pick uh, back up and move back that uh, Chick Fil A would so easily now give in to this. I'm I'm uh, I'm wondering is, is Mr. True is he dead now? The founder of Chick-fil-A? We'll have to check. I, I'll have I to look know. in and see if that is is the case. So anyway, that's coming up next here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we'll talk about it here in just uh, a moment. Right now, though, we need to get to the news, and after the news, we'll be back for the last 25 minutes of the power panel with R.D. and Paul on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so Charles Payne had this to say. We're talking about... Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A caved to the left. I mean, and literally, that's what they've done. Uh, they've tried to massage uh, what they're saying in a way that doesn't sound like they caved, but they caved. It's what they did. They, they Because, uh, you know, some of the LGBTQ uh, folks are attacking them, saying that, uh, you know, they're, they're anti-homosexual, uh, you know, whatever. So Charles Payne, who's on Fox Business Network, said, this news is bewildering. I had to look it up on several sources. Christians fought for the company against wave after wave of criticism. The Salvation Army helps everyone. That's something that everybody has to understand. You don't go into the Salvation Army and they make you fill out a form saying that you're not gay. Mm-hmm. They don't ask you that question. They're not interested in that question. They help you if you need help. That's what the Salvation Army does. And that's why I've always supported them, even more so than the Red Cross. And I've got reasons for that. But he says, uh, I never thought it was political. Then again, I never thought that a chicken sandwich could be political. Hmm. But it has been made that way. 
Quote, says Payne, Christians fought for the company against wave after wave of criticism, and that is absolutely true. Chick-fil-A has received a barrage of negative comments on its latest social media posts, with many saying they are no longer going to go out of their way to go there. Now, let's understand something about Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is the number one fast food company in the United States. They passed McDonald's and, you know, the, uh, the captain and all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. They, they passed all of them. And the reason I believe that has happened is not just because of the food they served, but because they have stood for fa- the values that they've stood for. And Christian people have stood with them and supported them and for those things. And it's not like Christian people. Chick-fil-A, whenever you've come into Chick-fil-A, they've been much like the Salvation Army. They haven't tailored your service to whether you're a homosexual or not. Chick-fil-A has treated all people equally. They just support organizations that support biblical values. Christians do not hate LGB people or anyone else. God created all people with free will and all people equal. There's nobody, no matter what their skin is or or what they do, that is any better than anyone else. But Christian values, the Bible says, that is not a healthy lifestyle. So uh, Chick-fil-A does not do anything except exercise their right to support Christian value organizations, and it looks like that has just gone south. And I'm going to tell you what, you go to a uh, you know, a, a Christian group meeting about uh, athletes, you don't hear them talking about homosexuality. No. You don't hear about any of that. These are people that are out to wipe out Chick-fil-A just because they can or try to do it. If They hate Christians. A lot of people now on the right are saying, should I still support Chick-fil-A? Well, and that's, well, that's a reasonable question. That's an individual decision. But yep. I, but that person said he was not going to go out of his way to frequent Chick-fil-A. But I can tell you, I'm going to go out of my way not to. So it looks like it's back to KFC chicken sandwiches <laughs> now. Uh, you got to go Popeye. Uh, Popeye's, well. Yeah, well Popeye's and, and the <laughs> You know, if you kind of look at it, you've got somebody that was that was strong and standing up. And why did they cave? Why, why does someone cave? Why does someone who knows what? But, but, but yeah, they think but, it but means is, money. But, but I is it because going I'm to watching RD say it's because of dollars. I don't see how you can say that when what you've been doing in the past made you has made one. you number one. Why would you? Why would would you change? I don't know. I mean, it's. Because the fact is, they they don't have a sign on the door that says no homosexuals. No, they they don't. And, and just the fact that they um, promote organizations which encourage people not to sin, you know, th- that doesn't make them a hate group. That doesn't make them unfriendly. That doesn't make them mean. The, the fact is that I think people should stop sinning. But that doesn't mean I hate those people. You know, my wife just texted me and, and, and uh, something. You know. What do you hear the left talk about all the time? It's tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Well, Unless you, you know, disagree with them. Huh? We agree that 
people have the right to do whatever they want to in their own house and behind and whatever you decide to do in your house you go to your house and as do it, it doesn't i will live my life right. the way that i suit and 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 that's fine we can work together i don't I, i'm not going to hold it against you i'm not even going to ask uh but uh those people have no tolerance and they hate anyone that disagrees with anything that they do and i'm sorry you can disagree with what I do. It don't bother me. It doesn't bother me any if you disagree with me. It's a free country. I mean, and the fact is, you know, if someone wants to say, "Well, you're immoral for this, that, or the other," well, I'd kind of like to know a reason why you think that. But the, the fact that you think that is is may maybe may or may not you have be the right important to think to that. Me. You have the right to right. think and, that. And the 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 fact is though that that me declaring on social media or me supporting organizations that um are opposed to sexual perversion you know that doesn't make me um hostile doesn't that doesn't make me it doesn't make me um as opposed to things like being in real intolerance well where did in our country it go that maybe you don't agree with some company's policies Mm -hmm. so you go and Spend your money at Some another miles. company. Right. All right. Maybe it's McDonald's. Maybe it's uh, Burger King. Maybe it's Popeyes. Wherever it might be, go. Feel free to do that. Why is it in your DNA that you must destroy this other company? I think that's a legitimate question for them to answer. It's a freedom issue. Absolutely, it is very much a freedom issue. Do people not have the freedom to believe what they want to not believe, anymore. or 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 act however they want to act, as long as no. it doesn't take anybody else's rights away? No, from because them? The, the fact is, we don't have those rights anymore. We don't. We don't. We don't have the right to do very much at all. Well, you have we the have right, to get permission, but there's ones that are trying to make sure that those rights are they being stripped take. away. That's exactly right. The left wants to bring the right into subjection. And they, I, that's the reason and they I want will, to take our guns away from us. I'll take a shot at this to say this is some HR people within Chick-fil-A who made this decision, and it's a terrible decision for Chick-fil-A. I'm just, I'm just going to say it. That's the best way I can say it. They became uh, somewhere, some somehow... Whoever is at the top of the chain now is saying we got to be completely politically correct. That's not what the owner did. I mean, they're going to be politically neutered. A perfectly good way of looking (laughs) at this is what's happening locally right now with Walmart. All right, with Walmart and Walmart getting behind Bloomberg and his anti-gun push. I haven't shopped at Walmart since they did that, and I will not go back until they back down from doing that. I think it's been maybe almost two months since I've been been shopping at Walmart. You know, I mean, I, we're, I mean, we're, I've got the only thing that I have to do is switch over my uh, uh, medicines to Kroger, which I'll do. That's where I'll take yeah, it. Well, it's or still I might a free do it, country may right do now. At Wal- I may do it at Walgreens. I don't know. But the bottom line is uh, I don't like what Bloomberg is doing with guns. I don't. I haven't liked what he's been doing with guns. Uh, it goes against everything I believe in about the Second Amendment. And with that in, 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 uh, in playing out this, 
I will uh, I will stand against Walmart. I got to believe Sam Walton, if he was still alive, would not have done this. He might be boycotting Walmart himself. Well, he might. What do you think about the founder? If he's looking down right now and sees what's going on, the founder of Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've heard people the saying that he's going to roll over in his grave whenever he hears this. He's spinning well, like a top, probably. That's exactly right. That's way, the way that uh, is probably working out. And if Chick-fil-A is smart, this is just my opinion, all right? That's what my show is. It's my opinion. I I can usually back it up with a lot of facts. When you have people that have supported you in the past because the people now that you're going to, to genuflect to and kiss their ring, don't be surprised if those people stop supporting you. Yeah, and do they really think that this little concession is going to bring in hordes of homosexuals? I, I would really like to know some of the owners, local owners, what their thoughts about yeah, this said, are. You know, it's they don't really have local, like, I don't think they really have local owners. Oh, yeah, they do. I mean, the, the, way they're, the, the way they're set up, I don't think they really do. I think it's a different kind of... No, you buy, you can buy your buy the franchise. The yeah, franchise. I, you, I mean, the Colonel does down there in... In in Benton, um, I'm sure he wouldn't come on and talk about this, but I'm you know because he doesn't want to get into a you know a, a urinating uh, contest <laughs> on somebody's shoe. But the bottom line is, I'm sure he's not happy. Mm. Well, I had my last Chick Fil A sandwich this weekend, I mm. guess, but it's not because I uh, dislike anybody. It's not because. I hate anybody, but it's this has been the principles that were founded on, and they've been well, given to these Christian organizations all along. And uh, I don't like bullies, so if you're going to succumb to a bully and and go back on the values that you that you that you've stood for for all these years, then I don't have any respect for you. You don't have to disagree. You don't have to agree with with everything, but to back up on your position because of. of of somebody bullying you so has, is has not Chick, right. has Chick-fil-A actually come out with any kind of statement? Did yeah. they come out and say yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it right now. Explaining. I'm getting ready they to read something it to like you. That they were going into new markets. They were going into new markets, hmm. and they were going to make a decision of, All right, of here, what they stand for. Here it is. Right, uh, it says uh, here, <clears throat> blah, 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 talking about what's going on, talking about uh, it says, the company announced, it was donating to initiatives that further its, quote, mission of nourishing the potential in every child, unquote. Folks, if you can't hear CYA in that, then you're not listening. It said that in 2020, it would stop donating to two Christian organizations, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and the Salvation Army, that have been accused by gay rights activists of having anti LGBTQ views. In August of 2012, says uh, Huckabee, I coordinated National Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day after they were being bullied by militant hate groups. He said, I regret believing they would stay true. I always thought they'd stay true to convictions of founder Truett Cathy. Sad that this has happened. And I agree. But if you listen to how they, they said that, see, we're still going to help people you know, but we're not going to help the Salvation Army, Army, which doesn't ask people if they're gay or anything else. They just biblically believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, 
and and it's the same thing with the uh, you know uh, Christian athletes, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I've been involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes for many many years. Have uh, supported them, and I can tell you what I've been to a huge number of their uh, meetings and have never heard homosexuality even brought up. The love of Christ is, but not homosexuality. I mean, this is just, you're just found guilty because... uh, Because you promote... You stand for the Word of God. Righteousness. I mean, that that is... I just don't understand why... I mean, are they intentionally making this statement, or was there, were they trying to do it quietly and it got out? No. Or what was the... No, it's just, again, the company announced it was donating to initiatives that, <clears throat> quote, further its mission of nourishing the potential in every child. Read the that. Salvation arc. That means, you know, straight, gay, transgender, whatever. That's if, if why children, it's worded if that you, way. If you, f- Talk about if children. you foster homosexual ideas in children, that is not nourishing <laughs> to that child. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, th- that's like that's like child providing abuse. aid and comfort. It's a child abuse. Yeah, I mean it's it's terrible. I will be interested to see how the customer base of Chick Fil A. If re- I owned a lot of stock in the Chick Fil A, <laughs> yeah. I think I would be selling it right now, yeah. just for my prediction. We'll have to keep our eye on that. See if it drops. All right, let's take a break. Final break. Then we'll come and finish it up. Paul and uh, of course RD here on the Dave Ellswick show, and. Uh, We're taking on the issues that uh, you're talking about. Uh, The phone lines are open to you. You're going to still buy from Chick-fil-A after all of this? A230965. All right. You got our final break in. We got about five minutes left here with the power panel. Uh, Jan will be with us uh, next week uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But uh, spirited discussion today about several different things impeachment being the foremost that we talked about gave you a lot of of uh, sound that you needed to hear one final segment do i have time to get about a three and a half minute piece in all right secretary of state pompeo talked about the uh, israeli west bank settlements and that they do not violate international law and here is the secretary of state cuts turning now to israel The Trump administration is reversing the Obama administration's approach towards Israeli settlements. U.S. public statements on settlement activities in the West Bank have been inconsistent over decades. In 1978, the Carter administration categorically concluded that Israel's establishment of civilian settlements was inconsistent with international law. However, in 1981, President Reagan disagreed with that conclusion and stated that he didn't believe that the settlements were inherently illegal. Subsequent administrations recognized that unrestrained settlement activity could be an obstacle to peace, but they wisely and prudently recognized that dwelling on legal positions didn't advance peace. However, in December 2016, at the very end of the previous administration, Secretary Kerry changed decades of this careful bipartisan approach by publicly reaffirming the supposed illegality of settlements. After carefully studying all sides of the legal debate, this administration agrees with President Reagan. The establishment 
of Israeli civilian settlements in the West Bank is not, per se, inconsistent with international law. I want to emphasize several important considerations. First, look, we, we recognize that as Israeli courts have, the legal conclusions relating to individual citizen, uh, settlements must depend on an assessment of specific facts and circumstances on the ground. Therefore, the United States government is expressing no view on the legal status of any individual settlement. The Israeli legal system affords an opportunity to challenge settlement activity and assess humanitarian considerations connected to it. Israeli courts have confirmed the legality of certain settlement activities and has concluded that others cannot be legally sustained. Second, we're not addressing or prejudging the ultimate status of the West Bank. This is for the Israelis and the Palestinians to negotiate. International law does not compel a particular outcome nor create any legal obstacle to a negotiated resolution. Third, the conclusion that we will no longer recognize Israeli settlements as per se inconsistent with international law is based on the unique facts, history, and circumstances presented by the establishment of civilian settlements in the West Bank. Our decision today does not pre prejudice or decide legal conclusions regarding situations in any other parts of the world. And finally, finally, calling the establishment of civilian settlements inconsistent with international law hasn't worked. It hasn't advanced the cause of peace. The hard truth is there will never be a judicial resolution to the conflict and arguments about who is right and wrong as a matter of international law will not bring peace. This is a complex political problem that can only be solved by negotiations between the Israelis and the Palestinians. The United States remains deeply committed to helping facilitate peace, and I will do everything I can to help this cause. The United States encourages the Israelis and the Palestinians to resolve the status of Israeli settlements in the West Bank in any final status negotiations. And further, we encourage both sides to find a solution that promotes, protects the security and welfare of Palestinians and Israelis alike. Pretty straight. Yeah. You, you didn't hear uh, Bush or Obama or anybody else come out making any statements like that. Matter of fact, one thing Tim Griffin said is Bush said he would move the embassy to Jerusalem. Obama said that he would push didn't put the it. embassy in Jerusalem. Trump said he would move the embassy to that. Clinton said, Clinton said it. Didn't do so, it. So who did it? Trump. Trump did it. Absolutely. He and got the pressure and everybody did Everybody screamed like a stuck pig. <laughs> a lot of people did about that. And, of course, those people do eat pork, so that should tell you something. <laughs> All right. With that said, we appreciate you for being part of the Power Panel today. Artie, Enjoy. thank you for coming on in and uh, bringing the information you did today uh, dealing with the half-cent sales tax, which we will talk about that probably until people are sick of it uh, before November of next year. Paul, thank you for yes, coming sir. in as well. We'll see you all next Tuesday. Bible yes, Guys are next here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
Tuesday. This has been this is good because I get to get together with my buddies. All right, it's good to see you, Scott. Good to see you, good Steve, to see you. Billy. Good to have all of you in the studio. Bible guy time. We got some pretty good questions today. Excellent. And again, let me tell everybody, I am not in Paris. That <laughs> that that is not you know police cars in the distance. That is my pump for the. Uh, and the biotics that are going into my bloodstream to kill this crap that I've got. Action, yeah. Getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, today it's decided it's going to do that ever so often mm-hmm. and then stop Tops. on its own. Well, I certainly missed you last week, Dave, when I came in here <laughs> and I had to sit in your chair with nobody on this side. Oh, wow. It was just you alone. He was in the deer woods. Got, he wasn't feeling I well. I was sick. Wow. I had, I had a few questions and I had Zach help me out, but it was just. So just now, so the now two you know how we feel when you don't show up. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, 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 yeah, my wife told me, she said, Well, you know what? This is just you reaping what you've sown. You will. You, you bailed out on these guys a few times, and now you reaped what you sowed. There That's you why that all happened to you. I didn't want to say anything. You sowed the whirlwind, didn't you? Uh, I guess, I guess that's a way of putting it. That's yeah. the way that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, my nurse has showed up. She has. And, uh, uh, for you watching on uh, uh, Facebook, Facebook yeah. uh, that's, that's Linda, my wife. Trying to figure out what is going on with this freaking machine. That <laughs> yeah, she's she's look, working it out. She's at good it. at it. Yeah. She's good at look it. Look at you. See, you See, need it, her, Dave. It was really working well, and then, you know, nature called, and I had to move. Mm-hmm. And after mm-hmm. I moved and came back, all of a sudden, uh, it started at making all the noise. Mm-hmm. Started doing it again. So, <laughs> what can I tell you? It's just it's kind of crazy. I. I'll be so glad when this part of this is done. I'm, and you I'm, got how much longer do you say with this? Four weeks. Oh, my God. Oof. For four the weeks. Uh, antibiotics. As I, People say, well, why is it that way, Dave? I said, have you ever seen the, the documentaries about the Vietnam War when they're dropping napalm? Mm-hmm. And you see all this fire just sweeping across the ground? That's what they're doing to this yep. infection yep. in my bloodstream. They're just carpet bombing so are you going to have to be taking like probiotics once these antibiotics yes. are finished because yes yeah. i don't maybe i'm sorry you're sitting on it that's a just smacking we won't tell nobody there's nobody watching don't worry about it. it's just it's all, us it's all around me but bottom line i was just told by the uh, my physician uh, dr uh, uh driscoll that uh, i would be on probiotics yep. here within the next week I was you got to build the good bacteria back. Yeah, I, I was in the hospital uh, several years ago from a dog bite, and after I got through my course of antibiotics, they had to give me like it was like fifty billion live bacteria yeah. a day or something like that. Ridiculous. Yeah. Trying to get things built back. What is it? Anisophilus. Don't get me wrong. Acidophilus. Acidophilus. It's what you find in yogurt. Uh-huh. I, I thought that was a Jewish guy who does television <laughs> in New York. Uh, I guess it I was wrong. It could be. It could be. All right. Well, let's get to the questions. That's where people tune in to hear you guys is the answers that you have. Okay. So it says, I was wondering if you might be able to give me your thoughts on the words of Jesus from Matthew 5 when he declared that if we do not forgive our brother his trespasses, the Lord will not forgive us of ours. Would this still be the same today after the cross? Also, I was wondering how I should interpret the story of the Tower of Babel. What should be the big takeaway from that? So 
Can I offer a general statement before we move forward to something more specific? Because we, we get, I tend to get a lot of these questions, you know, before the cross versus after the cross. Um, <clears throat> and here's what I always tell people. Understand that Jesus himself said, I don't do anything, I don't say anything that I did not see the Father in heaven doing. So when people ask me about Hanukkah or uh, or any of the Passover, Jesus kept these. Yep. And he said, I didn't do any of these unless I saw the Father do it. That's a good so point. when Jesus says, you won't be forgiven, you can accept the fact that the Father has said, you will not be forgiven if you choose to hold on. Because it's sin for you. You're living in sin at that point. Now, mm-hmm. as for the more specific... What you got? No, I would uh, I would definitely agree with that. That uh, and I, that's a good point. But I've never really thought of it in that uh, in that way before. But I think we have to accept Jesus's words as as stated. Um, if he says, "If you don't forgive your brother their trespasses, then the Lord will not forgive you your trespasses." And I, and I believe that. Uh, so if if anything, we need to live in a continual state of forgiveness, forgiving right. people for, uh, around us, whether we. Uh, whether they've done something right or wrong intentionally or uh, or unintentionally, we need to live in a perpetual state of forgiveness. I think that's why Jesus also said, when they when the disciples said, "How many times should we forgive?" Right. and he said, 70 times seven." Or in other words, as often as they sinned against you, that's how often you're supposed to uh, uh, forgive them. You don't withhold forgiveness from uh, people. Now, I'll throw this part to Steve. There are people who say, "Look at the verse specifically. It says." If a brother sins against mm. you, so Steve, won't you take it from there? <laughs> Does that mean uh, just a brother? What about a sister? No, it's anybody. What I meant was, <laughs> d- d- is it would it is it a believer? O- only a believer, or if someone no. outside of the family of faith comes mm. up and does something, are you able to treat them differently? No. <laughs> Did you, oh, did you want me to elaborate, uh, elaborate a little bit <laughs> okay, on that, sorry. please? That would be helpful. That, well, because it even says um, that if we don't, um, um, it, what was the context of the one where he says even the Gentiles will do these do these things? Um, dang it! What was the uh, about um, about loving each other? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as far as um, well, I, let me back up before I go any further on that. that this is Christianity 101 is forgiveness. And there was right. the, the parable where the um, uh, the one servant was um, owed the master like the equivalent of $19 million, and his servant owed like the equivalent of 100 bucks, mm-hmm. And that was really the comparison of what we owe in our debt against God and his sin and really what we, quite frankly, what we think we need to forgive somebody else for. So forgiveness is Christianity 101. And um, it, it's, I think, just as Billy said, it's very straightforward, very plainly, that if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. Right. And the whole before the cross, after the cross, like you were saying, if if he is the same That's yesterday, right. today, and forever, right? if the Father doesn't change, then I think the question pretty much answers itself. If Jesus said it, then that solves, that is the answer. Yeah. And if someone comes along and contradicts what he says, then you have to put that person on the shelf. And you know, not the words of Jesus on the really shelf. Have to, now, really have to get rid of this before and after the crossman. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say um, that forgiving someone does not necessarily mean that your feelings towards that person change immediately. Good point. Um, I, I, there are people in my life that every time I think of them, I have to go. And Father, please forgive them for what they did to me Is because they wounded me. I was right here. Names, but there are people who have wounded me deeply enough, and I don't think about them much. But when they come up, my initial reaction is to be angry at them all over again, and right. I have to stop. I'd go, oh. I think that's, that's the most that's difficult thing to deal with is um, 
forgiveness, but then also, um, you know, the, the part that, that Pastor Scott just broke up about how many times you're going to forgive, seven times 70. Right. At what point do you stop opening yourself up to somebody who's going to take advantage of the fact that you're supposed to be, quote, unquote, walking as a Christian and, and constantly forgiving? Uh, but just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you open the door back up for them to right, hurt right. you, take advantage of, manipulate, or whatever. The this case goes is. back to turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek doesn't mean I stand there and take a beating. Uh, mm-hmm. I might forgive you what you've done to me, but I might have to sever a relationship because you have not changed. You're going to continue to attempt to abuse me in whatever way as long as there's a relationship for us, between us. So I go, you know what? I forgive you for what you've done, but we ain't hanging out anymore. So. There and, is that and the word does say that if you if you talk to someone and they won't uh, won't right. repent, then you're supposed to basically not even eat with those type of people. So there is there is boundaries, but that doesn't mean that you're not forgiving of that person. And, right. and I do think those the feelings are are a good indication that you still um, that, you know you've got to deal with that when that rises right. up because that right. lets you know you still got something in your heart that you mm-hmm. need to deal with, um, and it, well, it might be in your flesh, but you need to certainly uh, <clears throat> deal that with, deal that with that. So I think yes, you have to take Jesus' words as. They are spoken, and whether it's before or after the cross is is irrelevant. Because think about this: after the cross, what were his words? After the cross, right before he ascended, he said, "Now go everywhere mm-hmm. and teach men the things I've already that, that right, I have taught, taught you." you. Mm-hmm. So, so he's telling them after the cross, go and teach the things he said before the cross. So, I think the before and after cross thing, like Pastor Steve said, is just a it's a it's a it's a red herring. It's, it's a non-issue. So, Amen. what was the rest of the question? I think there's it something else. That was it. Second part? Uh, the second part was, I was wondering how I should interpret the story of the Tower of Babel. Mm. Okay. What would be the takeaway? Right. I put that in a straightforward category as well. Next. Well, well, <laughs> okay, I'd like to hear what his straight, straightforward is. Steve, well, is, what, Steve is no good at this radio thing. That's all I'm saying. The answer I'd is be, yes. What's your next I, question? I would be a horrible politician. No, really I will not do that. Yes, I will do that. Um Tower of Babel, yes. Tower of Babel. Well, when you look at it, everybody was unified. They were coming against God, and God separated them, and this is where we get the idea of the division of the languages and division of the nations. I think it's just the the telling of the story. I'm not sure that we need to read much more into that, or some people who don't believe in in the young earth theory will will look at that more as a metaphor or somebody trying to, uh, that writer of Genesis, trying to justify how we got to all the nations we have today, but... I believe when I say straightforward, it's exactly what happened. They all got unified. They all railed against God. And God said, no, I'm not having it because it, even if it's evil, if you become unified, they can do anything. Right, right. You know, whenever, um, if I'm not mistaken, whenever you, whenever you read rabbinic writing and, they will, and you ask the question, why is the world in the state it's in today? Typically, if you ask a Christian that, they'll say, well, the fall. That's why we're here today. But but when you ask a Jewish person that, they say they give you three answers. They say the fall, Genesis six, and the Tower of Babel. They give you the, all three of those, yep. uh, the, all three of those ideas and all three of those uh, stories. You better explain what Genesis six oh, is. Right, of course. Uh, Genesis six is the flood story. Okay. So it's uh, so first of all the fall whenever Adam uh, transgressed and brought all you know the future descendants into a state of sin and they were kicked out of the garden. Genesis 6, of course, is when um, that sin was transferred and all mankind was sinning except for Noah and his family. So the flood came, wiped everything out. And then, of course, then you have uh, the Babel. Where's uh, the story of Babel? Is it chapter 11, 12? So the story of Babel. So basically the Jews say, okay, the way you understand the world today is not just from the perspective of the fall. Yes, it's part of the fall. 
But then secondly, it's okay. You had the fall, but then you've got the fact that you, everybody's wiped out except right. for Noah and his family. So now we have we're, we started with a central family, Adam and his family, all gone. Now we're back to another family, Noah and his family, three sons. From those three sons come the descendants of the whole planet. <clears throat> yep. And therefore, Jew and Gentile, we actually are all cousins. We're all related yep. Absolutely. to each other. And that's, that's how it does it. It's in chapter 11. <clears throat> 11. And I, I think what's going on here is after the flood, he goes, okay, here's Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then here's all the generations. This is what happened when they became too numerous and unified. Right. And then, although, by the way, we're in chapter 12 now. We're talking about Abraham. Right. It's just an right. overview of what happened to the nations and then how we got to where we're and at. And so why the nations look the way they do. So that, that that's their view on it. Yeah. And I think the reason they have that view, we talk, we have a tendency in Christianity to talk about uh, the first Adam and the second Adam. And we kind of we can skip a lot of the stuff in between those. And a lot of times we talk about all of us going back to Adam. We're all sons of Adam. But the reality is we're all sons of Noah. You don't have to go all the way back to Adam mm-hmm. because there are these three very distinct, massive events, world-altering events. First, we have sin entering. Then we have sin being purged. And then we have seen sin being punished. These three massive events that happen that if you don't put them all together and look at them through a longer lens, you don't understand how the world got to where it is today. So really, you have to see all three of those together. Um, in their proper context. Yeah, oh, man. So I think the the takeaway from uh, from the Tower of Babel is um, some type of a combination of everything we just said. But I think if you're going to take a kind of a, a, a takeaway as far as a moral out of the whole thing, um, I think the moral you'd pull out of it would be if you remember the reason why God said I'm going to confuse their language is because they said we're going to make a name for ourselves. Right. It's about us and about what we can do, who we are. So the more you pull out of it would be uh, you need to be God-centered and not you-centered because being you-centered is going to get you scattered and confused, whereas if you're God-centered, you can see great things begin to happen. You know what I'm seeing today, um, and I didn't. I don't guess I just put this together until this very moment. This is the problem I have with the LGBT community, the, the violently, radically anti-God position that's out there because this is the exact same spirit that stood at Babel and said, we'll make something for uh, for ourselves. We don't need God. This is all coming back around. The exact same same thing thing. come around again. How's that? That sounds good to me. Hopefully that answered their question. I think it probably did. (laughs) We've got 22 minutes after 5. We're going to get our first break in. When we come back, we just talked about the Tower of Babel. Let's talk about Samson. When we return here on The Bible Guys on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Everything's this fun. All right, so we think we figured out how to get out of Paris. <laughs> and uh, it's it's working. Well, all, I somehow, when I got redressed at the uh, hyperbaric chamber that they put me in in the mornings, uh, I twisted something. And we just fixed it, so hopefully. Did we fix it, Dave, or did someone else fix it? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I just said we. Uh, I didn't fix it. There we go. My wife fixed it. There we go. That's how it's a good job. (laughs) All right, 26 minutes after five. This is going to take you guys a little while to answer. All right. All right, because we're going to be talking about one of the judges uh, in the Bible, and it's Samson's. It says, Can you summarize or explain Samson's story in the Bible? God had a plan for him, but Samson seems somewhat lost. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I'll let you guys start, and I'll tell you when you got to stop, 
and then I'll tell you when you can start again. <laughs> Go ahead. Samson had a call, went after a Philistine woman named Delilah, and didn't do what God said. Stephen. <laughs> He's somebody's the short role today. The, short, the short version. <laughs> you know, if he could do that whenever he preaches a sermon, but no. <laughs> All right, so start yeah, over again, Steve. I, I can't poke let's, people with Let's pe- do this whole home, Samson so. thing because Samson was called to be a judge. Mm-hmm. He was uh, from birth one from, of the Levites from the tribe of Dan. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. so. No liquor touched his lips. No shears touched his hair. No he was great. a Nazarite. Yeah. All right. there's, a, there's a thing called the Nazarite vow. And why is that important? Well, in the in the Bible, uh, there was only two lifetime Nazarites that we know of. One was Samson, and the other was John the Baptist. The Nazarite vow is given to us in Scripture, number six, number in Numbers chapter six. And interestingly, when you finish, if you if you're not a lifetime Nazarite, uh, and what as a, as a Nazarite, what you would do is you would never cut your hair. Uh, you would never um, cut your beard. Uh, you would never consume. You you wouldn't consume any alcohol. You would never even eat a grape because right. there might be some fermentation inside the grape. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a very set apart. It's not a Nazarene as in, as in from Nazareth, but it was a Nazarite. And um, some people get some people get that mixed up. But but if you weren't a lifetime, when you ended your Nazarite vow, it might be um, six months or a year or whatever you would name. When you finished, what you had to do is you would shave your head and you would take your hair and you would burn your hair. And we have the Apostle Paul in the Scripture twice. Uh, it, well, but one time it says he, had shaved, he shaved his head because he had taken a vow. I don't know what chapter this is in, chapter 8. Acts, Acts 18, I think. 18. He shaved his head because he had taken a vow. The only vow where you shave your head is a Nazarite vow. Right. So here's the Apostle Paul. In the New Testament, after the cross, the apostle to the Gentiles, keeping a Nazarite vow, shaving his head. He didn't reject anything like that. But, of course, Paul didn't believe that the old law was still in in force, did he? (laughs) Most people want us to believe. I just set that up for you big time. The other time we see him involved there, um, it's because they accused him of teaching against the law. And they went, hey, to prove that you're not uh, preaching against the law. Go finish your vow up and pay for these other guys to have yeah. their hair cut and right. to finish their their vow. So, um, uh, no, he. I don't know why. I don't. I would love to sit down with a whole bunch of uh, dispensational minded folk preacher that is, and just say, please answer this verse to me, because it says we have heard that you teach amongst the Gentiles right. not to keep the law of Moses. And to prove that's not what you teach, go do this. Do this, right. and, he sh- and he goes and does. And he goes and does. It. I just, I, please answer. Well, that's two separate occasions. Once he's off by himself in eighteen, and then the second time is is what twenty one, yeah. something like that, and he's with a different group. So we have Paul participating in something like Samson was uh, was yep. doing in this whole idea of a vow of a Nazarite. All right, so keep that thought. It's an important thought, and we'll pick it up when we come back. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Bible Guys are here. Remember, Bible Guys at SalemLR.com. If you have a question, send it now. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That or I have a glittery glove on my, my, my right hand. All right, so let's go back. We're talking about Samson. Uh, important to understand uh, the vow that he, his. 
<laughs> it was fine in the brain. I just had to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that uh, his mother was the one that dedicated him to the Lord. Is that not true? That was Samson. I mean, I mean sorry, that was Samuel. Samuel, all yeah. right. Yeah. My, my fault. That's right. All right, so this was going to make Samson a judge at that time in Israel. Mm-hmm. All right, they didn't have a king then. No, this is during the time of the judges. So this is before the uh, before the kings begin to uh, begin to rule, and um, so the, the French police are coming back again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Steve, were you going to say something? Would you? Nope. Okay. I was just looking right. At so some of the high points in so the as, book. So as, as, as far as summarizing Samuel's life, you have to uh, put him in the context of a Nazarite to kind of get in his mind, kind of what he was all about he was a man who was supposed to be dedicated and set apart oh i know what he wanted to do he wanted to mention what is dispensationalism and what is um yeah, cause the, that, that's, that's important to know yeah uh, go gorgeous steve uh well dispensationalism is there are these different dispensations of the periods of of, of the history and some would say that it's time it is time it's basically right. time yeah and so some would look at uh the time of adam as a dispensation though a dispensation uh abraham moses uh david if you will but the biggest one that most people bring is uh the old and new covenants or the dispensation of law versus a dispensation of grace and so most people and then the dispensation of the church age would would kind of mirror that um, and because there's this dispensation that now we are, quote-unquote, under grace versus law, um, we have this real um, cleaver of division between the old and law. Uh, and that's why we brought up the point with, if if that was true, that verse and that series of verses in chapter 21 of um, Acts makes it very clear that Paul was not teaching as he has been accused of teaching that there was this dispensation. What we have a hard time with and what Paul was, the difficult task that Paul had to do was, what do we do with all of these Gentiles that are coming in? And that's what he was trying to, in the, the water that he was trying to wade, uh, is trying to figure out how to, how to articulate that to all of those Gentiles who were not obligated to keep all of the Torah, all of the law. And so, and then he was fighting with those who were saying, no, they have to, because prior to the cross, the only way a Gentile could come into uh, the kingdom of Israel was through conversion. Mm-hmm. And so they were wrestling with this, and, and, uh, and because it looks like he's fighting against these guys, that he's creating a different doctrine. So that, that's the idea of where dispensation and, is. And I'll go ahead and just throw in here that dispensationalism as a, as a teaching uh, didn't exist until the 1800s. Mm-hmm. So it's a n- real in, in the span of time. It's a new uh, doctrine, and it was created because people could not synthesize the old and new together. So they broke it apart and said, "Okay, well, you have to look at it through these lenses." The problem with that is there are four tenets, four basic tenets of dispensationalism, and one of them is that Israel and the Church are mutually exclusive. God deals with one at a time; He doesn't deal with them both at the same time. The problem for that is in 1948, when Israel became a nation, uh, that's in the, quote, the church age. Right. So if this theory is true, um, well, it, I mean, if this theory is, uh, was believed by somebody, they should have thrown it out in 1948 because right. it, the tenets disprove it. And then, of course, he had 67 where Jerusalem came back. So if God, if God is dealing now with Israel, then that means it's no longer the church age. Right. But if you want it to still be the church age, yet God still deal with Israel, then you have to throw out the whole theory altogether. To, but All now, right. guys, what about... What about Galatians and Paul railing against the law? Didn't, don't we hear a whole bunch of that? <laughs> I'm softballing this because you've missed the other half of that question. No. So. Billy, well, why don't you answer your own question? Oh. Uh. 
So one of the things that most modern Christians don't understand is that um, we think of all the Old Testament as being all of the law, and that's all there was. Uh, but that is simply not true. There is a, an entire concept of the oral tradition or the oral law. And these are primarily fence laws, but there are a whole bunch of other things. Uh, what and does fence laws mean? So my favorite example for offense uh, law is uh, in my home, there's a law that says you will not lay your hand on top of a hot stove because you will get burned. Uh, mm-hmm. When my children were very young and we were doing a lot of baking, we didn't let them in the kitchen at all uh, just because we were busy. And at some point, somebody was going to wander over and touch the stove. So not coming into the kitchen was the fence law that existed around keep your hands off the stove. So in order to, to create layers of protection, we make the law... Uh, more strenuous. Uh, we expand the law further and further and further out. Uh, and we see examples where um, Scripture says that by the traditions of your of your fathers, you make the law of no effect. Here's, a, here's exactly what's being dealt with this is, at this point, because there were oral laws that contradicted the written law. So when we see people, when we see uh, particularly Paul saying, hey, I'm, I'm right when he's railing against these laws. He's not talking about the Mosaic law. He's not talking about the law of God. By the way, Mosaic law. I know that's the way it's expressed, but Moses didn't write the law. Moses was dictated the law and wrote it down. He is just the secretary. These are God's laws that were given by God to Moses to write down. But the oral law is vastly different um, than God's law. And the two often come into conflict. Um, If you're a rabbinic Jew, an Orthodox Jew, um, all of that applies to your life. That's the reason you keep two refrigerators and you don't eat milk with meat and all of these other things. But you won't find any of that stuff in Scripture because it's simply not there. Okay, so with that said, Mm. let me draw you back to the original question. Okay. Can you explain Samson's story in the Bible? God had a plan for him, but Samson seemed somewhat lost. What happened with Samson? I mean, Samson was a religious guy at one time, and then he went off the reservation for well, a better way of putting it. Yeah, well, what happened, and I'm not being... Basically, he, like most people, um, I say most, like a lot of people, is... We had a man who was after God's heart, and he disobeyed God. Mm -hmm. He got involved with the wrong crowd. He got involved with a woman who was from the wrong people group. And when he got involved with a a woman from a people group he was forbidden to be involved with, Mm -hmm. she drew began to draw him away. What did God tell Solomon? He said, don't marry these women over here because they're going to draw your heart away into idolatry. You can marry, but stay away from this group because not because God is... It wasn't for the women, but God knew what the women believed would manipulate Solomon's heart. Same with Samson. How many men of God are there there in the world today who love God, have a call of God, but they get involved with the wrong woman Hmm. or somebody else's woman? (laughs) Let me me do something relatively recent. Let's talk about Jim Baker and Jessica Hahn. Yeah. Something just like that. There's so you a whole have list of them, yeah. Yeah. So and that's what happened. Solomon, Solomon, uh, Samuel Same. got involved with a woman he shouldn't have got involved with, and she began to manipulate his heart. And what did he finally wind up doing? He told her the secret, secret. of his strength, which was his Nazarite vow, which throws us back to the beginning of our conversation. Okay. That's why it's so important. His dedication to God was about to be compromised because he trusted someone that God said, "Don't 
trust. Yep. So well, I'm going to let somebody else finish the story. And, and he did so uh, arrogantly because he had already lied to her two or three times and then seen what the result of that was. She tried to act out what it was that would, would rob him of his power. Mm-hmm. Uh, how arrogant does he have to be to finally give her the correct answer? Then, it was, oh, it was Samson, a, please tell yeah. me if you really loved me. It was a slap mm-hmm. in the face of God, and God yeah. went, okay, right. um, if that's the way you're going to behave towards me, then you're going to pay the price for it. But yeah. the ending of the story is God's grace. Yeah. God's grace. That's right. There's always redemption. There's always forgiveness. It goes back to our whole thing about Jesus and forgiveness. That's the story of the gospel, isn't it? There's yep. always forgiveness. So we know the story. He finally tells her his secret. And so, number one, he violates God's law. Then he, vi- then, he then he shares what he shouldn't share. He gets himself in trouble, and she cuts his hair. She removes his dedication to God, which he'd already done by his confession, but now it's physical. And then he couldn't fight off the people when they came to take him, which would have shocked him yeah. uh, because he would he was able to – I mean, he ripped city gates off and carried them. I mean, it would have shocked him. How many did him. he kill with uh, the jawbone of an ass? 300, I believe. Yeah, at least that, yeah. And and I, I think he was a guy, Jay, probably built like uh, like you uh, or – well, he didn't Steve. look like the rock. <laughs> I, no, I th- right, I, th- I, I think he took a, a a average size guy and empowered him so that it would be a testimony yeah. to the strength. I mean, like this hat, people would look and say, yeah. "This has got to be the power of God." Because if he was this hulky man, people would say, "Yeah, well, he's right. he's out of his own strength. He's doing that." But yeah. I think, I think God took true. an he average guy, probably just a skinny looking dude who just had long flowing hair, and they're like, "How are you doing this?" I mean, yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been so shocked. Please tell us your strength. If he was seven foot and weighed 450 pounds was pure muscle there wouldn't have been as much of a right. question right. about it so to finish up the story they took him back to the castle mm-hmm. they burned out his eyes mm-hmm. they made him turn a grinding stone like a mule mm-hmm. and then he was talking to a, a young person there who led him up between the pillars that held up the entire structure Mm-hmm. And he brought it all down and upon he, himself and his enemies. He called out to God. God forgave him, and God empowered him again and gave him his strength. And the Bible says, and the last day of Sa- Sa- Samson's life, he killed more Philistines in that one act <clears throat> than he had in the entire life that he judged uh, Israel or something. You know, to, uh, Israel has a uh, military strategy based off that. It's yeah. called the Samson option. Yep. In which... Um, um, sacrifice yourself they will they p- part of the, the reason we got so heavenly involved is they were actually on the verge of losing the Yom Kippur war and uh, I believe it was uh, Golda Meir called Nixon and said if we don't get help we will be gone and we are about to institute the Samson option Samson option is basically we're going to make the Middle East glow because yeah. we're not going back into captivity we nuke again. everything including ourselves yep we will take out the entire Middle East now there is in the Air Force we call that a broken arrow yeah, yeah. broken mm-hmm. There is an important concept in Samson, um, and that is that while there is always forgiveness, um, that does not necessarily negate that you have to pay the penalty Correct. for what it is you did. Yeah, you've been forgiven, and and you, there is forgiveness is a wonderful thing, but there are still natural consequences of our actions. Yep. God forgave him and returned his power, but to bring that building down and kill these Philistines, he had to bring it down on himself. Mm-hmm. So there there's still consequences. We can't. We can't live like heathens all of our life, um, give some deathbed confession, and expect that everything's going to work itself out properly because we, f- we ask for forgiveness at the last moment. There are still consequences to be paid. All right. We've got to get our final break in. 
Scott and Billy and Steve are here. The Bible guys are. If you have a question, you still have time, send it to me through BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. When we come back, Chick-fil-A's in the news, and he's into, they're into questions for the Bible guys when we come back next. All right, let's get to the final segment. But before we get to the final question, I'll turn my attention to Steve, as sassy as he's been today, <laughs> and just ask him, Steve, for the folks who want to understand dispensationalism and a lot of different things that have been talked about today, there is a school that people can attend that is relatively, uh, I think, cheap for the information you can get. Too. That's it. it. It is. It's a lot more professional. I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> Casey, please help us. Yeah. If you go to the AmericanInstitute.org, you can learn a lot about the Bible. We say this all the time. It's not a theological institute. Um, it's it's more of a, a historical context study of the scriptures. You will learn about the scriptures in their original setting, in their original context. And we, I, it, to this point, I can't think of any of the courses where we even really dwell in, delve into things like dispensationalism because we yeah. don't do theological things. Okay, uh, we will teach you about um, like how the Hebrews thought. We will talk about the historical context, their culture, and their geography, and all those things that were surrounding them about that idioms and all of that. We let people make up their own minds about theology, what they want to believe about heaven and hell, Trinitarianism, you know, versus oneness, you know, rapture, pre, post. We don't, we don't really do much in that, but give you Pain. the context. Yeah. yeah, but you'll get, you'll get the tools to understand the Correct. Bible from the first century perspective. What did right. a Jewish rabbi mean when Jesus spoke the words he spoke, as opposed to what has it evolved into theology? Yeah. Uh, theology itself is a Greek word. Theos being God, the the study of God. That's a a Greek thought altogether. So we bring you back to the Hebraic thought. Would it be fair to say that the Institute's real purpose is to create a proper foundation? Absolutely, because we're we're trying to get back to the Hebraic roots, the first century understanding. And if we could get unified about the cause of Christ and the moral and ethical commandments, then these other things that have caused so much division. You want to talk about something that we see in the church when we first talked about Babel, um, it, even God said of the heathen, if they became one, anything is possible to them. If the church ever became one again, if we ever Amen. became unified on the things that matter, you know, the moral and ethical things of what Jesus taught us, what God taught us, and then let us still come together over things that we disagree about. But it, And that's kind of why we don't really get into whole, a lot of that stuff. We let you kind of make your mind up, but... You, but you will find out that a lot of the things that, that many churches and denominations and other schools have created were because they didn't understand that context. Correct. Yeah. All right. With that said, here's your final question today. It's kind of like final jeopardy. <laughs> what in the world is happening with Chick-fil-A? <laughs> Bible guys, help. What should we do now? How should we act? Boycott? Protest? Write letters of complaint. Well, it's a good question. Yeah, I think we should remind them what the conservatives and Christians did when they were when people tried to boycott them. I think that it would probably be good to remind them who their quote unquote base is yep. and who supports them and why they're so popular. Yeah, that that base is what made them the most popular fast food chain in America. All right. I don't. I don't understand how that. Um, 
I don't even know why they need to to cater to anyone. Just keep doing what you've been doing because it's working. If you're number one, why do you need to pander to anybody for yeah. anything? Um, but um, I think that um, I think all these things down here are good to do. But um, I think what we're dealing with is a spiritual warfare here. Um, and because the pressure that they've been getting is from a, a very charged um, side, and I think we need to really be led how to pray over this thing. And then as you're praying and as you're praying for them um, and then also praying uh, and binding up things that are doing this to them, at the same time be led to actively do something like write or, or petition or whatever you feel that you need to, need to do. But it's definitely... Um, nonsensical from from my perspective we, we have to in in the christian community circle the wagons we yeah. have to because yeah. and they will not stop they would these people who are just saying they've already said it's not enough they want to see them go out of business anything that may be a hint towards christian uh biblical values they're going to try and tear down so i think that anything that has such a strong support from the christian community to just go no we're not changing this is what we stand for this is what we believe in if you don't like it don't shop here yeah, and you think about those who are in opposition to them. Um, it's kind of like when you, when you hear that there are witches gathering to put a, a curse on the president. Oh, those of you who are not supporting the president, why don't you stop for a minute and ask yourself a question? Okay, if witches don't support him, yeah, uh, then why wouldn't witches support him? Why would witches not like? I mean, it's like you have to look at who's in opposition. Well, who's in opposition to? To Chick Fil A, look at all the, on these on these uh, university campuses. Who is who is in opposition? What is the the DNA of the people who are in opposition to them? Do you fit in any of those groupings? Now, hopefully, as believers, we can figure out what side we stand on and actually take a stand. But I would encourage everybody to certainly write. But most definitely, we need to engage in prayer because this is a is. a spirit war, and we are if we don't realize we're in a spirit world war then we're walking around blindfolded. Yep. Our generation um, grew up in a time where um, we, it's not like we didn't have differences. It wasn't like there was an, a, there was there hasn't always been a their side and our side. Um, the difference is that when we were kids, uh, and certainly when our parents were kids, uh, both sides were, were decent moral people, mm-hmm. by and large, uh, who all stood on a biblical foundation. And we have not yet made the, the switch mentally to understand that just as Scripture said, as, it, as we approach the final day here, um, one side has completely uh, uh, abandoned that Christian moral value underneath. We are no longer uh, we are no longer all standing on the same foundation and arguing about little things. We're now arguing about uh, yeah. eternal sorts of things. Look around. If your enemy, um, or, or if the people who are on the same side as you uh, look a whole lot more like your enemies than your friends then you're probably on the wrong side of the coin. You probably need to go check and see what the other side is doing. Uh, if you find all the Christians on one side and you're not with them, you might be supporting the wrong causes out there. And, and I think, by and large, that's what we're seeing here. Um, I think the most recent survey, and I, I was just reading the uh, statistics over the weekend, uh, is that there are now, in that 18 to 35-year-old group, there are now as much as 20% of that group that identifies as LGBTQ whatever in there. And I think... Uh, businesses from a purely business standpoint are looking at that and going, what happens if we lose 20% of 
our base. Well, I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A, but you don't have that 20% anyway. Right. <laughs> Those people are not coming to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're just making bad business decisions based on statistics rather than going, hey, there's a moral high ground here we want to stand on. So you know, already, I think it is time to on, remind them. They're already shut down on Sundays yeah. and they're taking a stand. So, Absolutely. And, um, so stand and be bold. I, but I, re- I really I, – I really, my heart really breaks over the situation because um, because um, they're lo- they're losing their way. So I think we should be praying for them out of heart yep. of compassion and uh, and and a, and a grief for uh, the decisions that are being made. Because if this decision is made, what other decisions are going to be made? So let's pray for the light to shine in the darkness and for those who are in this company to see the truth and remind Amen. themselves of why they're in this business in the first place. Because you know what, the bigger move is to stay open on Sunday if you're really. interested in making a lot more money Mm -hmm. so we'll see what comes next yeah because they don't sound like the founder nope just like the people in Fayetteville don't sound like Sam Walton yep just letting you know Mm -hmm. all right gotta take the break don't forget send your questions to bibleguys at salemlr.com or uh, you know you can call in during the show 8230965 we're out of time They'll be back next Tuesday. They're known as the Bible Guys, and man, they are really, really popular. They'll be back with us on Tuesday next week.